Hello and welcome to Select and Start, the podcast about meaningful and memorable video games. I'm your host, Kiefer, and every episode I bring on a guest who selects a game that made an impact on their life. I have an amazing returning guest with me today. He previously came on the show to talk about Pokemon Emerald around this time last year. He's an artist, created the show's logo, he's my roommate, and he's been my best friend for 11 years. It's Avery Robin Ott. Avery, how are you doing today? Hey. Hey. No, uh, I'm doing good. <laughs> um... What am I supposed to say? Just how am I doing? Yeah, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. You had the same problem last episode. You're like, what was the question? Okay, <laughs> you're good. You're, it's First a, question jitters, you know. No, no, you're good. It's you also look. very cold in our house today. That is a choice. I'm. I put on a. I put on a cardigan. I'm wearing uh, a Spider-Man costume. You are wearing a Spider-Man costume. That is true. It's funny. <laughs> yeah, it's a. It's great. It's we. We are not a video podcast. Not at all. No, but I appreciate you doing it because it shows your commitment to uh, the bit here. You've been on the show in the past before. Yeah. Yes. Since we had you on a previous episode, I don't have to grill you on what you do and what you like. It's evident that your gaming credentials are adequate if you're here again. We don't have to do all that again. You're a guy who loves toys. You're a guy who loves video games that feel like playing with toys, at least. You love toys so much that you work at a toy store. So using the beginning here to sort of catch up on what's been going on since last year, you're a toy collector. In the last episode I had you on, you talked about what you look for in toys. You gave a pretty in-depth answer talking about how you want definitive versions of an action figure. Uh, the example you used being the Mafex Medicon Batman figure based on Jim Lee's Batman Hush, right? Yes, which is right next to me as I'm answering that question. That was a design you cited as like the definitive Batman toy at the time. Black Bat on a gray suit, to me, is ideal Batman. I can appreciate Yellow Oval, um, but I don't need that as much as i need black bat on gray suit so gotcha it's been a year since you were on the show can you name a few of your favorite figures that you've gotten since then and i know that this can take up a whole day so yeah I'm just yeah. Gonna, yeah so <laughs> usually like for the past three or four years i have uh as i buy toys throughout the year i have kept a a log of them like my inventory my spreadsheet which i still have that is up to date um as of like a couple months ago however where I usually rank the new purchases that like the new releases throughout the year. Uh, I, I haven't kept up with that this year. I don't know if it's that my relationship with toys is changing or what, but I got really, really into transformers. It's not that I, I don't like toys as much or anything like that. It's just that my relationship with it's changing a little bit. Transformers is like a big focus right now. This year, the transformers legacy evolution commander class Armada Optimus Prime is the best toy of the year, maybe. It's up there. The Jada Toys Street Fighter II collection is a really good, affordable line of action figures for something that I personally have no personal investment in. But you can ask Kiefer, we've got everything they've released so far. Uh, Fei Long, Ryu, and Chun-Li, because they're just really good toys for a really good price. They're like $25 apiece. And, I mean, Mafex is still putting out banger after banger. Their Magneto this year is like one of my favorites, uh, the blob, oh, Hasbro Marvel legends, the blob. That's a really good toy, unique silhouette on the shelf. A lot of fun. Again, you could, I could do this all day. I could just be like, oh yeah. And this one, we have all these interesting characters. Yeah. Very thorough answer. You mentioned specifically the street fighter action figures, which you said were really good toys, even though you don't really care for the property. What makes those besides the price point? really good toys to you uh so each one has come with like kind of a neutral expression and a angry head multiple sets of hands depending on whatever they come with like the uh not 
I mean, I guess it's a blast effect. Like there's the Hadouken and Chun-Li's like multi-kick thing. Don't know what it's called. Fei Long has this crazy fire attachment for his leg. It's awesome. But they're just uh, they're articulated in a way that I appreciate a lot for the price range, especially because they're like 25 retail, I think. And really good packaging, too. There's just a lot of love. You can tell like this company, they said like we're going to do the entire Street Fighter 2 lineup. I don't know what that means. I mean, it's on the back of the box and I have a general idea, especially because I have recently watched Kiefer watch the Street Fighter 2 movie for something else he was doing. I, yeah, I don't know. It's just like, they're fun designs. Uh, they're simple. Um, I mean, fun, like martial artist people. It, like it, it doesn't make for a bad toy. Uh, I'm looking at toys that I have bought for Kiefer or Kiefer has bought himself this year. And there's also the SHV Arts Chainsaw Man and Power, which are really good. Oh, those are good toys. They're great toys. You know, I stick to the stuff that I have an emotional attachment to. You Like we talked about this earlier, you, you're really about the craft of a toy. And for me, I'm obviously I want a good quality version of a toy, so I'm willing to pay a little bit extra for something like a uh, Big Yards Power or Chainsaw Man. And we have a couple of uh, Dragon Ball Z toys over here, the Super Saiyan trunks. There's a lot of Big Yards on your desk right now. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's a crap. It's a crap. But I just think it's very good or interesting and good that you have uh you know this affinity for toys that are not even for a property that you care about, but you just care about the design work and the, the work that went into the... They're also iconic. Like, obviously, Chun-Li and uh, Ryu, they're, they're doing an M. Bison with a wired cape. Chef's mm. Kiss looks amazing. Um, and I did play Marvel vs. Capcom 2 a lot as a kid because it had Spider-Man in it. <laughs> um, I also, I had those, those toys I had a lot of as a kid. I don't remember which company made them, but they would do two packs. And my favorite one, just because I think it's very silly, is... Uh, Captain America, like big, broad-shouldered, bangalore Captain America from MVC2 uh, with Morgan from Darkstalkers. And I just think it's really funny, the idea of uh, Cap punching a booby lady. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, you know, again, fun design is fun design. Like, um, Darkstalkers figures, I'd buy that in a heartbeat. Never played that game in my life. Probably never will, but uh, it's fun designs. I haven't played a Darkstalkers game, but I also have an affinity for Marvel vs. Capcom. So, yeah, no, I know who Morgan is. Who's the Red and Blue Ninja? Strider? Uh, Strider, hear you. Yeah. yeah, he. I had that toy as a kid. Loved him. Came with a two pack uh, with Spider Man, and um, I mean, he looks like if Spider Man was a ninja. So I just like fun toys. Yeah, we were talking about video game toys. Let's talk about video games a little bit. Also, in the last year, what have you been playing since you were last on the show? Oh, okay. So what did I play? I played Miles Morales finally in preparation for this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt a little bit like homework, but I still liked it. What else did I play? I have a Switch. Ooh, I played Breath of the Wild. I've never yeah. played a Zelda <laughs> game before, and I played Breath of the Wild. My coworker was like, "Listen, like you've got it. It's a, my favorite game. You gotta play it." And I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check it out." Um, I was going on vacation, so I was flying, and I, I think I started in an airport. And I have an ungodly amount of hours in that game now. I've done everything except actually fight Ganon. I, it kind of feels like a foregone conclusion, and I don't want it to end. But the reason I started playing it truly was because I saw Kiefer playing Tears. And I was like, that looks like the most fun game in the world. And he was like, you gotta play the first one. And I was like, okay. So I did, and I love it. And now I'm obsessed with Zelda and Link and all these wonderful characters. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I've seen a little bit of Tears from Kiefer playing it. Um, I've absorbed some stuff through Osmosis because I work in a toy store slash retro gaming store here in Savannah now. 
Um, I don't think I was doing that last time I was on the show. No, not yet. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I've absorbed a lot through Osmosis, um, but the only one I've actually played is Breath of the Wild, but I did love it. I'm trying to think if I played anything else since then. Well, I got you a game for Christmas this the past year. I got you those claws for shredding meat. Oh, yeah, which and we then use a lot. I got you a Switch game. I'm blanking, bud. Kirby and the Forgotten Land. I did. Okay, so I'm like halfway through it. Um, I was playing it. I was having a good time. This is going to sound weird. And it's, it's the same problem I have with Mario Kart 8, which is like, it feels too clean, if that makes sense. And I think it's just, I don't think it's the game's fault. I think it's, I don't like how the Switch handles sometimes. It's perfect for like Breath of the Wild, but something that's like a little bit more nitty gritty, like a Kirby game or Mario Kart 8, where it's like, I'm, I'm kind of rushing through stuff. I, I want it to feel, I want a GameCube controller is the thing. And okay. I don't. Like, the Joy-Cons just feel so... Like, all the edges sanded off, if that makes sense. I don't know if, if that's going to make sense to people at home. Uh, I had a coworker tell me they make GameCube-like controllers for the Switch. They do. Yeah, so I'll probably just end up getting one of those. And Also, I was playing stuff on the Switch Lite, and I, I, I've had the Switch Lite since uh, right before COVID. And I, I love it, but there is something to be said for playing it on the big screen. Breath of the Wild especially. That is a game that I regret playing so much of small I, when i play tears it's going to be on the tv um I'm trying to think uh, i i think that's it yeah i mean in terms of major games there's a mobile game that you and i had played a bunch of that we'll get into when we talk about superhero oh, stuff in a minute yeah never, that's not a game that's a lifestyle choice and it's a bad one it's an it's an addiction in the form of serotonin yeah it's giving me <laughs> carpal tunnel anyway it's fine it's fine yeah no uh, you talked about looking forward to playing Tears of the Kingdom. Obviously, the sequel to the game that we're talking about today is another thing you're looking forward to. Is there anything, whether it is out or coming out, that you're looking forward to playing? Well, you just bought that Metal Gear collection. And yeah. I was like, oh, I want to play that. I've never played a Metal Gear game. Um, our friend Manu, who I love, loves Metal Gear. He gushes about it, and I find it infectious. But also, like working at the toy store, it's like, all these things that I keep being like, oh, I like that. Oh, I like this. Oh, I like that. Everyone's like, how have you not played Metal Gear? Like, it's right up your alley. And I'm like, okay. So I want to play that. There's a sequel to Hades, right? Uh, there's a sequel to Hades coming out. Yep. Yeah. I don't know when that's dropping. We don't. No, we don't. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I love Hades. So whenever that's there, I'll be there. And then Spider-Man 2. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's Spider-Man 2. Yeah. That game is out now as we're recording this, but neither of us have had the opportunity to get or play it yet. Uh, I'm also very excited for it. We'll talk about why we're excited for it shortly. Sure. You are a huge comics fan. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. You know a lot about comics. My middle name is Robin, so I never stood a chance, but yes. Yeah. And that's why you have an attachment to your Mafex Batman, your, the Spider-Man costume that you're wearing now. You, God help me. God help. Look, I like video games. That's an I think they're in a race to the bottom a lot of the time. And movies are very rapidly trying to join the race to the bottom in terms of how we make these things, who gets paid for them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what material things are they offering to the world as like, you know, gimmicks and everything like That's that. That's the thing is like, it's like there are genuine bona fide artists like putting blood, sweat and tears into these, these things, these works of art. Um, it's capitalism that's doing it, just mm -hmm. whittling down the distribution and production of these things to uh, AI or whatever, you know? So, I mean, I, I get what you mean. Yeah, no. So God help us. You know, Alan Moore loves comics, also hates comics. I think that's what, you know, it's having... the healthiest relationship you can have with something, I think. Yeah. Uh, what was it that Jack Kirby said? Comics will break your heart, kid. Yeah. 
they, they will. I mean, I mean, I think just making art in general, I mean, also capitalism. We're going to talk about capitalism a lot this episode because we're going to bring up one of the co-creators of this character. But uh, mm-hmm. well, who are your favorite superheroes in addition to the person you're wearing a costume of right now? Yeah, um, I saw a tweet recently that really hurt my feelings that said that Spider-Man fans are the Sonic the Hedgehog fans of superheroes. And that they have hurt because it's true. Um, <laughs> what if he was a different color and me? As far as superheroes go, I love the Flash. Um, I love Wally West Flash specifically. Wade's run on Flash is like my go-to. Haven't read it in a decade, and I keep piecing together back issues at work, so I'm probably going to do that at some point. I love Plastic Man. I'm just going to look at my shelf real quick. Love Plastic Man. Kyle Baker's run on Plastic Man. That's a home run right there. Nightwing is uh, the best character. Grant Morrison and Frank Whiteley's run on Batman and Robin with Dick Grayson as Batman is definitive to me. As far as other superheroes go, there's too many superheroes. That's the thing. Um, Wolverine, I I mean, brown and tan Wolverine specifically, there's Mm -hmm. just something to that. Like the X-Men evolution sort of? That's orange and black. Orange and black, And here's the thing. The only other time that they've used that costume, this is so weird, they use a variation of that costume in Dark X-Men when his son... Dakin, Dakin, whatever, is Wolverine, and it works so well for that. And it's one of those those things like, why don't you use this color scheme for Wolverine more often? Like, if you want something that's more bright and whatever, but brown and brown and tan, brown and yellow, whatever. Oh yeah, brown. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. To me, that's like when he's not doing X Men stuff. That's his costume. Right. Insomniac is developing a Wolverine game. I can imagine them using different color variations of the suit with that or like his outfits and that I can imagine them having a lot of fun with that. I, yeah. I, I need the brown and tan suit and I need, Ooh, I need patch probably when he's got the white blazer, like the, the Sean Connery, James Bond outfit with the eye patch. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Man, Wolverine has a lot of really good costumes. I was talking the other day with someone about, are we going to talk about Spider-Man costumes later in this? We absolutely will. Okay. Then I'll hold off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'll say it now. Insomniac, they enjoy the, having alternate outfits and costumes for everything i mean you played uh the ratchet and clank games they have all sorts of variations of I, for that. that's funny that one of the games i played in the past year was deadlocked I, f- I forgot about that yeah and that is an insomniac game so yeah uh specifically it was because i told you about how they put a bunch of uh playstation games on the uh playstation plus service and you the first thing you asked they have ratchet deadlocked and i said yeah they have ratchet deadlocked and he was like I'm going to be right back. And then you spent the next week almost exclusively playing Ratchet. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things like it's not an amazing game, but in terms of like, I love the running man. I love the running man. Um, it's just the running man, but with Ratchet from Ratchet and Clank, like what is not to love about that? The weird announcer voice. There's so many different like little things in that game that just push my buttons in my head. But one of those things is that there's a bunch of different skins and armor options and things like that. And I am such a sucker for that. Yeah, I think it's Darren Norris who is the uh, the voice for that, and I think he also did the voice for Venom in the PlayStation One Spider Man games. So that's that's weird. Yeah, Cosmo from Barely Odd Parents, the, the janitor from uh, Nancy Cosmo, etc. Yeah, God, he's got such a good. He's like, what if Butch Hartman didn't suck? Which is really funny being <laughs> on his show, but carrying that weight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Where'd Spider Wars go? Spider Wars. Come out and play! But it's funny you mentioned that. I think you and I have had this conversation a ton in private. Us loving tournament arcs in storylines. Oh yeah, God. Everything should have a tournament arc. Everything. And that's just 
Ratchet and Clank's tournament arc. Yeah. Maybe that's why we like Scott Pilgrim so much. It's just a big tournament. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> That's a good way of putting that. Never considered it in those terms yeah. before, but it's literally just fighting guy after guy in a new America. It's just intermissions <laughs> between rounds, but yeah, it's just, yeah, that's all it is. Fair. Yeah. Fair. You are an artist. Obviously, Sometimes. comics were an influence on you, like emotionally and also like possibly like driving you towards doing this. You've mentioned you could go out of your way to mention the artist on top of the writer for a lot of these you know, things. Who are your favorite comic book artists? Just flat out. Just bar none comic yeah. book artists. Um, so, you know, it's funny. The Flash, uh, no one draws him like Francis Manipal. His Flash run with Brian Bucciolato, it's the new 52 one from 2011. The first arc is great. Everything after that, I was kind of just reading it for the art, but it's beautiful. I kept buying it. I kept drinking that shit. <laughs> so, um, man, you're putting me on the spot here. Obviously, like, and we'll talk about this later, he's not necessarily, he does comic book work, but he does a lot of other stuff too. Dan Hip is my guy. Uh, Dan Hip is my favorite artist, maybe ever. Love him. Cliff Chiang, um, I'm really partial to Cliff Chiang. Um, something that is stylized to me is always going to be better than something that's photorealistic. Um, if I wanted to look at photorealistic stuff, I would watch a movie or look at a photograph or, you know, whatever. It's like, I don't, that's not what I'm coming to the medium of comic books for. Mm -hmm. So something that's more particular, again, like Javier Polito, that's a guy who people seem to love or hate. And I am all in on him. His, uh, he, every time he shows up in a run, that's like, he's usually doing like fill in art one runs that I like a lot. He did Wade's Daredevil. He did an issue of that. Um, he did uh, Fraction Hawkeye. Oh my God. I just love his stuff. He does She-Hulk with Charles Sewell back in like 2012, I want to say. Love that run. Probably my favorite She-Hulk run. Is he the guy that draws sex criminals or is that somebody else? That's Chip Zdarsky. Um, okay. So Chip, Chip Zdarsky draws sex criminals, but he also writes his ass off. Like it's so funny because mm -hmm. he showed up and he's like, I'm the dick and balls and cum man. And then... He was like, oh, I'm also like a really good writer. Uh, his Howard the Duck run from like 2014 is, I love that run. He's done a lot of really good work since. He works with, uh, oh, uh, an artist that I like a lot is Joe Canonics. Joe Canonics is one of my favorite artists. He's been doing the continuation of the Burton Batman movies in comic book form because he's really good at like, you know, really expressive faces. He gets the likenesses right while still maintaining like, like this is a comic book and I'm drawing it the way that I draw incredible stuff he's doing another series soon like the, uh, the first one was just batman 89 and then this one is batman 89 echoes uh i'm pretty sure they got madonna's likeness to for harley quinn which is so cool and it, again it's like i appreciate that it's like yeah i draw these people the way that they look but i'm also not just drawing it super realistic like he does billy d williams two-face in the first volume of that and it's so animated and delightful and i, I have a chris pratt star lord commission from him that i got like 10 years ago uh, Chris Sammy, Spider-Man. Oh, Nick Darrington. Not, see, you're just having me list off names again. But uh, Nick Darrington's Doom Patrol. Love that run. Gorgeous run. Uh, I have a Doctor Strange from him that I bought in 2016 that's hanging up in my room. I haven't read enough books lately. That's that's a big problem for me. Is I, um, I don't have time. I've been so busy. But mm -hmm. uh, one more just to shout it out because I was talking about Transformers earlier. They just did a reboot of the comic books and it feels like a continuation question mark of the original G1 cartoon in some capacity, but it's definitely those designs and that aesthetic. If you're into that, it's just called Transformers from Skybound Entertainment. Yeah, Daniel Warren Johnson is both writing and drawing it, and that dude draws a mean fucking truck. Draws a mean truck and an even meaner robot. So good. 
Oh God. Yeah. So kinetic for something to be um, like on model, but also dynamic. It's, it's a really impressive thing he's got going there. Everything he's done up until then has been very, uh, very organic. Uh, his Dua Powerbomb series at Image, Beta Ray Bill from Marvel, you know, big, gross, muscled men stuff. And so to see him jump to Transformers and obviously love what he's doing, that's, yeah, delightful. Now, I love a thorough answer and it because it means I don't have to talk very much. Yeah. So obviously, we have a compulsion to adapt the things that we love into other mediums. We see superheroes in film, we see them in television, <sighs> yeah. we see them in video games, which is the most promising, but also one of the most consistently disappointing formats for superhero and comic book stories to be adapted into because we see the potential and unfortunately either because of budgetary or time crunch or just whatever reasons within the industry a lot of these things have been historically disappointing but there are also some like very well loved and very successful iterations on that what are your favorite video games featuring superheroes i'm pretty sure i talked about this last time the batman arkham games the first two in origins don't care for night they feel like playing with a Batman action figure, and I love that. Uh, I mean, I've played superhero video games in some capacity my entire life. I remember playing a Game Boy Advance Spider-Man game going back, uh, like, I think it was in kindergarten when I was playing that. Uh, it was that and Pokemon. It was, like, the only thing I cared about. Like, the, the Justice League games from the mid-2000s that were, like, vaguely connected to the cartoon but didn't really look like it. I, I remember playing, I think it was, like, Justice League United or something like that. I enjoyed them fine. The problem is, like, when you have these characters that can do all of these, like, amazing, incredible things, it's very rarely that you're able to capture that while not making, like, a super broken game. I remember playing Superman Returns for the Xbox 360 a bunch as a kid, and there's a really interesting concept in that, which is that Superman does not have a health bar. Metropolis does, which I think is really cool. It's yeah. like It's like, he's indestructible. It doesn't make sense to be like, oh, you're going to get your butt kicked as Superman, so let's make it be that you need to be protecting the city. Very funny that some people don't understand that about Superman, but a bad game for the Xbox 360 did. Justice League Heroes is the game. Yeah. Justice League Heroes, yeah. yeah. And there's there's a Game Boy version of it that's called something different, I think. I don't know. Or really. it's the Flash version is what I'm thinking of. Okay. Yeah, um, Yeah. like I said, I enjoy those fine. Another, like sleeper game that people don't talk about enough uh, that I love. And it's probably because the movie is so bad that people just didn't bother. But X-Men Origins Wolverine, the game, is a lot of fun. Yeah. I remember playing the hell out of that when I was in middle school. It's come up a couple times on our show because uh, I talked about some people pick things that are based off of movies to talk about. I do a segment on there. And that one has just come up when people talk about video game adaptations of movies because usually it's like, man, great movie, bad video game. But very rarely vice versa where it's like a bad movie just gets like a fucking like heater of a game you're like yeah it's i mean it's great and it's one of those things where it seemed like they're like look you can do whatever you want you know like there's uh i mean you fight a bunch of great villains in that i love that game it that era it's crazy that we don't get like tie-in licensed video games anymore i know that there's a reason for it but like mm -hmm. the last one i think is first avenger so the first Avenger Captain America, that was like the last MCU game for sure, because they had the Thor game, they had a Captain America game come out. It's really just about scalability. And that was around the time that, you know, apps on your phone were taking out. So instead of like putting here's five to $10 million, crank out a video game in like a year, and then like it'll come out, they'll just like, here, just make an app, make a fucking app for our movie. And that'll that'll be the game, I guess. Yeah, because like there's a Green Lantern game that came out around the same time as the movie. And I wouldn't call the game good, but it's better than the movie. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Rise of the Manhunters. Yeah, I, I think there's it's the Hulk video games even have a really big effect. I it. do. So yeah. so it's it's very similar to Ultimate Destruction from like a few years previous, if I remember right. They just kind of slapped the the MCU skin on it. Um, but I did play that game a lot. It was uh, funny. You could get the Hulk Buster armor skin if you had a save file from the Iron Man game. So I went to Hollywood Video, rented the Iron Man game, went home, saved it. Turn that shit right back in. Did not care about the Iron Man game. Yeah, and and like with that one, I because I like the characters and I I find the concepts fun. It's 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 neat to be like, oh, like you can only play as Red Hulk if you do this, this, and this. Or there's there was a lot of different skins in that game, like Joe Fixit and uh, Savage Hulk. There, there's a bunch of different ones in it, and I again like it feels like playing with action figures. And I guess the skins equivalent is either buying variations of the same action figure or dressing up a doll differently. She's got a new hat. Yeah, no, I mean, the big thing with like other things about licensed tie-in is like there's a scalability issue, right? Where it takes years now to even make a six out of 10 video game, much which was basically like the bread and butter of like movie licensed tie-ins. It's like, here's a competent product. And now it takes you years and millions and millions and millions of dollars to do that. And they just want to go in like the shortest, most exploitative route in terms of like cranking out quote unquote content about that stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, right. This is my I hate video games. I love video games. But another thing about this is like, you know, divorcing all the, the how the sausage gets made stuff aside. The disappointment is just how so few games realize the potential of the thing that they are adapting, how it took them so many, so many years to make like a, a game as beloved as Batman Arkham Asylum or Arkham City afterwards, because it was like, this should be a stealth game now that we have a language for stealth having been established uh, for the past like decade and a half or so, we can make a real proper stealth Metroidvania style Batman game in Arkham Asylum. And then like open world games were getting big when Arkham City was coming out. So like they made a big, here's Gotham City sort of in, in, a, in a game and here's iterations on the mechanics. So it basically feels like you're playing Batman Legend of Zelda or some shit. Yeah. Oh, man, I do. I Batman Arkham City is like one of the last games like I like was so excited to buy and I, I think I skipped school the next day. I just like stayed up till like four in the morning playing it. I went got the midnight release at GameStop. Remember GameStop? And <laughs> tons of skins in that game and I just love like all the characters showing up. It's like, oh my gosh, like I love seeing, like, this is your version of this character. Obviously, Mr. Freeze is a huge highlight in Arkham City. I love that game. Again, realizing these characters and their gimmicks, and I I mean, God, I just love a good gimmick. I mean, there's a big thing to be said with specifically Rocksteady that they were, it was a passion project, like a labor of love, I guess, because they got not only, like, Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill to do the voices, they got uh, from Batman the Animated Series, but they also got writer Paul Dini to be involved in writing those stories for the first first two. two. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But very well-told stories with like people who really know about these heroes and like they're thinking like how do we make scarecrow into a video game setting work how do we make mr freeze work in a in a setting clayface stuff like that they're actually like thinking in the language of video games and then having people who have expertise in the subject of superheroes in like making a collaborative process that works there and that's why they are so stand out yeah, and we also both have played Marvel Snap, unfortunately. Yeah, so Marvel Snap has been the big addiction. It's Kira's fault. I wouldn't have touched the goddamn thing. And then he was like, it's got Dan hip artwork in it. I'm like, shit, 
Mm-hmm. And uh, Kiefer is like three months sober, I think. I'm at least well over six months at this point. I, I remember quitting for a couple months or like at least a month out of at this point. And then the finale for The Mandalorian season three was out and I was watching it. And I was like, you watched that? I didn't watch it. No, 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 not the finale. I was like the episode before the finale. Okay, yeah, where, yeah. Where like Baby Yoda gets a robot. Baby like, Yoda gets a back. robot. And Moff Gideon's got Mandalorian on him. Baby Yoda is walking around with the, the mech corpse of his former friend. That's the thing. If you want to do the mech, it's fine, but that's so bleak. Yeah. Point being, I was like so bored and done with this shit that I downloaded Marvel Snap again for the first time in like at least a month at that point, knowing the risk that it was going to take on my life because I was that bored by the episode. I was like, this isn't good that I'm treating this and reacting this way to cope. But yeah, around that time was when I had f- finally given up marvel snap that was april so yeah that's like six months okay okay damn kiefer's like objectively a better person than i am because i am filth i can't stop i can't like i I play i i walk 40 minutes to and from work um monday well let me not tell you my work schedule but (laughs) i have four days a week and so i play it on the way to work i play it on the way home from work i play it on the toilet i play it here and there and everywhere and i i should stop but every time that i'm about to every time that i'm like i'm sick of this there's uh, something that pulls me back in. It's a, a new variant or a new play pattern with a new card that they've introduced with the new series. And every time I'm like, son of a bitch, you got me. It's always fun to me. It's like a deck that I like a lot in that game is Morbius and Modoc. And like, what a team that is. I, I don't know. There's something really delightful about that. Uh, a lot of good artwork, a lot of not so great artwork, but a lot of good artwork in that game. I'm proud of you for how much you played it. You never like lost money or put money into no, it. No, right? I, yeah. I will say, I will say I have leftover Apple cash or whatever from a gift card from the previous Christmas. And I did put like $15 of that into the game at one point because they had Spider-Man stuff in it. Uh, but other than that, I have not. Yeah, it's only taking your time, which is like that's you value your own time, but capitalism values money. And at least they haven't stolen that from you. Yeah. Late last year around this time or like early at the beginning of the year and like when I was talking about uh, when I was like talking I was talking about Marvel Snap like the Hades episode around that time. I was like, yeah, Marvel Snap's really fun. I want to retract that statement formally. Don't stay away from it. Don't do it. It's not worth it. It is fun. It's just also evil. I was like, you know, you're ranking out of like 100 in terms of the people you're facing up against. I got to like level 95 in that that, that high tier. I've never gotten that far and I've been playing it way longer at this point. (laughs) That's when I was like, I got to quit this thing. I'm, I'm, it's not, what, what, what am I getting out of this? I already like won. Yeah. I, so that, that's the thing is, and I, I might've talked about this last time. My relationship with video games is a lot less intense because I value my time. And, and the amount of time that I dump into something, especially a video game, rarely feels rewarding. Breath of the Wild is a rare instance where it's like the more that I spend in this game, like, better time I'm having mm-hmm. but a lot of times what will happen is like I'll play a game and Pokemon Legends Arceus 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 whatever, whatever yeah. yeah came out early last year and I enjoyed it a lot but I put 85 hours in that game in two weeks that's a lot of time <laughs> that was a lot of time that is four days worth of time in the span of two weeks like that's insane and I got up and I, I felt like I was hung over afterwards I was like what do I do what year am I at and I just cannot do that for every game that I kind of want to play. I, it has to be something really special, like Spider-Man, for me to be like, okay, like I'm willing to like sit down and like pour myself into this the way that I am. 
I think you just need to play more two to five hour single player experiences instead of the perpetual machine of a yeah, multiplayer yeah. competitive I card mean, game. So like a Marvel Snap that doesn't make me feel gross um, in terms of like just something that I pick up for a second is Hades. Like I, I pick up Hades, I'll play like a round or two, get as far as I can, whatever. A uh, perfect airport game. Like mm-hmm. I cannot stress enough like how many times I have been posted up in an airport just like sitting in the worst position possible playing Hades and having the time of my life. Way healthier of a relationship and a lot more rewarding i feel like uh that game is just a masterpiece of art direction sound design yeah that's a good that's a good addictive thing to play because you get a reward out of it which is sex with a hot person in the video game yeah great horny well refined passionately made hades is literally still to this day in the top 10 video games i've ever played and i'm glad i got you into that i'm glad i got at least one good video game in your system I, like Hades is so good that I'm going to end up buying the physical copy, even though you already got me the digital one. Like, that's yeah. how good that game is. When the when the cloud bursts one day, I'll still have it. But, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I do love that game. Also, speaking of toys, I want a Zagreus action figure so bad. Yeah. Where's that at? Yeah. Yeah. You I know, don't think that's a thing yet. They made a Nendroid of them, like the little chibi thing, and I don't, I don't like that. They, they freak me out. They're like high-dollar Funko Pops. Can't stand them. Right. No, that's a, that's a very good point. I would. I would sell important things in my life to have access to his Zagreus. I figure. think there's statues, but I don't really do statues. No, statues. Because like, I remember I told you about that Phoenix Wright and Edgeworth statue, and I was like, this looks really... Oh, no. I can't move it. I can't move it. Like, I mean, the Phoenix Wright that we have at the shop is like, he is just doing the point, and it's kind of like, what else do you need him to do? But Slam the desk? Yeah, see? and I, I do have a desk now. I, my coworker got me a desk. Pretty cool. The, a toy desk. A like, toy desk, yeah, yeah. Like a J. Jonah Jameson desk, yeah. People give me furniture. He forgot me a bed once. That was cool. Yeah, yeah. I bought you a bed frame for your birthday. It's, it's really nice. I just built it, actually. Yeah. So let's talk about Spider-Man. Not the game, but the character. Spider-Man's a Marvel Comics superhero created by writer-editor Stan Lee and artist Steve Ditko. First appearing in Amazing Fantasy number 15 in August of 1962, the success, the success of which led to him receiving his own ongoing comic book series, The Amazing Spider-Man, starting in March of 1963. He has appeared in thousands of comics. He's had multiple TV shows, movies, theme park rides, a Broadway show, not to mention countless video games. He is one of the most popular characters in all of fiction. Last time you were on the show, he talks about a Pokemon game, which is the highest grossing media franchise of all time. Tell me, Avery, do you only emotionally connect with popular things? Uh, no, there's plenty of things that I like that aren't popular. Uh, you know what I was thinking about today? You're the worst. You're the worst on uh, on FX. It's on Hulu. Watch that. It's a really good show. No one talks about it. it. Probably one of the most five important TV shows I've ever watched in my life. And it maybe... made me a better person and like a, a more caring partner, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the very least, it taught people to wash their legs. But, but it's true. Yeah. No, it's a fantastic TV show that every human being in the world should watch. Point being is, yeah. I don't just love popular stuff. All However, right. popular things are usually popular for a reason, and Spider Man. He, he rolls. He's great. Yeah. On a slightly more serious note, let's talk about your intimate relationship with Spider-Man. What speaks to you about him? Uh, yeah, I mean, I Spider-Man is, is probably one of my first true loves. Uh, my first word was Batman, right? Like, I was in a high chair in the kitchen. I was however many months, whatever, old. And uh, my mom heard Batman from across the thing. And it's because I dropped my toy of him. And she's like, not mama, not dada, but Batman. I was like, yeah, Batman. Batman rules, but he's also not fun sometimes. And Spider-Man is fun, just inherently. Like, he's bright, he's colorful, he is silly and 
has fun with it. I, I love the idea that Peter is awkward, but Spider-Man is carefree. Like it's it's he's puts on the mask and he's uninhibited, besides his principles. Stanley is complicated. He's a complicated guy. I'm not coming on your podcast to defend Stanley. But you know, he, he does talk about like the idea that's like, well, we made a full face mask so that anyone could be that person. What is it in Spider-Verse? It always fits eventually. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna cry. I'm gonna cry thinking about that. Jesus Christ. Another thing I was thinking about recently with Spider-Man is what else is there where people move in that fashion? I, the closest thing I can think of in like, let me know if you can think of something else is like the weird jet booster rocket leg things they have in Attack on Titan is kind of similar where there's like grappling hooks and shit. Mm-hmm. But like Spider-Man is, it is unique. Like the, the idea of swinging around a city, not flying right? where, you know, it's kind of like, okay, well, yeah, you're just, it's a dance with gravity versus a complete defiance of it. Yeah, and yeah. it's there's something beautiful about it. And I mean, the game we're going to talk about today is the pinnacle of that web swinging experience. Like, I mean, you can ask Kiefer. I, I Kiefer and I play this game in very different ways, and that I will just swing around the city for hours and take pictures of myself. Kiefer is like sitting there watching me, and he's like, "And photo mode again, and photo mode again, and photo mode again." And I'm just like, "Yeah, look how good this one looks." Like, yeah, yeah, no. You have an affectionate care because for you, it's like playing with toys. Uh, yeah, and we talked about this in the last episode. You like games that simulate the experience of playing with toys. And that is a very much an experience. It is, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it rules. You know, like you're talking about like other things that sort of dance with gravity. And there's like a lot of video games. Like there's the old adage that like if you put a grappling hook in a video game, it's just going to be better. Yeah. Like Just Cause 2 being an early example of like this phenomenon and everybody being like, we got to copy Just Cause there's 2. A, <laughs> so weird, but there's a Lilo and Stitch game from like 2003 that I had for... I didn't have it. I rented it from Hollywood Video, but it had a like his little laser and it had different mods for it. And mm-hmm. like you would, you know, get them the way you do like Mega Man or Kirby or whatever. And one of them was a grappling hook. And it's like, I don't want to play this fucking game. I just want to swing around and go from platform to platform. Right. And I'm, I do gravitate towards that mechanic in anything, even like flash games. I'd play on my computer if it had like a there's this old uh, flash game I used to play all the time. And I cannot for the life of me remember what it's called, but it's like you're in a cyberpunk ninja 8-bit kind of thing and it's got a grappling hook in it and the mechanics are so much fun and i would play it every day after school sure and what is spider-man but just constant grappling hooks and i think the other thing with that is when people imagine or like daydream about being a superhero even though there's dozens upon dozens upon hundreds of superheroes who can fly a lot of people you know imagine themselves as spider-man not only because of that everyman aspect of it but just because there's something so acrobatic and liberating about being able to like kind of swing through the air but not i don't know it's it's interesting it is and it's it's again like you know like superman rules and i obviously love a lot of other superheroes and whatnot but there's just something to i again spider-verse i'm I'm probably gonna talk about spider-verse a lot uh, this episode inevitably yeah it does a really good job of capturing like the the sensation of like what would it be like to traverse terrain this way and how liberating of an experience that would be. I was a broke kid with a doting grandma who would scrunch 20s into my uh, coat pocket because I did chores for her. You know what I mean? Like, I, I have an Aunt May at home. And uh, yeah, you know, Peter just always resonated with me. I love Peter. He's a guy trying his best. And uh, he throws a lot of balls in the air and sometimes he doesn't catch them. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I relate to that. Yeah. What are your favorite Spider-Man stories? And we're not limiting you to just comics here. Like you can talk about the, the yeah, whole media. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if you ask like any 
Spider-Man fan worth their stuff, what they like a lot. They're probably going to say Spider-Man Blue by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Tim Sale passed away a few years ago, and he's like one of my favorite artists. Uh, broke my heart. I'm, I'm like crying still. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, that Again, sometimes he doesn't catch them. And that is a story about that and Peter reckoning with it. And I, I love that book. I love that book to pieces. I bought that book probably no less than a dozen times and lent it out. And just, I'll keep buying it. I, I don't care. I want everyone to have that book. The Spider-Verse movies have done a really good job like pushing the buttons of what I am attracted to in the character in terms of that, that you know this guy struggling with you know can he have it all like this guy that can do amazing things but can he have it all and both Miles and Peter's relationship with that in the movie I, I especially the new one I I don't want to spoil it like if you haven't seen it go see it but they reckon a lot with, you know, what, what does it mean to have great power and, and great responsibility? Uh, it's not always fun. And it's when a Spider-Man story can toe the line between like, okay, yeah, like we're going to have fun and we're going to like punch silly guys in the face and we're going to do all that kind of stuff. But also like you are trying to do the right thing and sometimes you can't. Sometimes you just can't. Obviously with the Spider-Verse movies, the multiverse thing kind of opens up the the door to things, but at the core of it, like that's what that is. It, it, Spider-Man is a guy who tries his best to help everybody he can uh, while also having as much for himself as he can. And he, he just can't. And uh, that's, that's the human experience. <laughs> so yeah, spider human experience. No, thank you for showing your work on that uh, answer. Mm-hmm. Obviously people have an affection for the Raimi movies. Spider-Man two in particular is generally pointed at as like, this is Spider-Man. Yeah. 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 Oh man. Again, I'm going to cry thinking about Spider-Man. This is embarrassing. Um, Mm -hmm. He's just a kid. We won't tell nobody. Oh gosh. Uh, I will not die a monster. Melina is so good in that movie. Again, if, if it can toe the line between fun and catching that, that core of the character, I think that's, any, any Spider-Man story, more or less, that can do that is something that I'm, I'm usually into. Yeah, you get to swing through the city. Yeah, you get to date a hot girl. Yeah, you get to do this and that. But um, at the end of the day, there's always a price to be paid. So, One step forward, two steps back shit. Yeah. You know, obviously, like the Spider-Verse movies are very impactful and meaningful to people. And it's also introduced a new generation of Spider-Man. It has done a lot to mainstream Miles Morales in the uh, Spider-Man like canon. Because this is a character that has sort of like what what I wouldn't say struggling to break through, but it was just sort of like this is the people's perception of Spider-Man as much as Peter Parker. It is, yeah. Miles before, yeah. Miles, you know, he shows up in 2011, 2012. That sounds right. Created by is that, yeah, is that right? Yeah, 20, 2011, I want to say. It's Bendis and Pacelli. And, you know, they they do good work with the character. Obviously, like you you make the kid, you're gonna love him and there's gonna be love in that book. But for the longest time, it was like, okay, like, it's kind of like Wally West with The Flash. It's like, well, you're not The Flash. You're Flash Jr. or Little Spider-Man. Or it drives me nuts, uh, sidebar, but, like, they'll give Miles other names in other things. Uh, they do the same thing with Spider-Gwen. Uh, so she's, like, Ghost Spider sometimes. And I understand, like, it's cleaner to give her her own name. But I like the idea that it's, like, Spider-Man is, is it's not, like, a name. It's a it's a batch. That's what the secret identity's for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you just say Miles Spider-Man. You say Gwen Spider-Woman. You say Spider-Man yeah, Peter. Yeah. Also, Spider-Gwen is objectively yeah. funny. And calling yeah. the book anything other than that should be illegal. Yeah, I 
oh, I don't want to get too into this because I have things, but um, it's the Spider-Gwen run, talking about Spider-Man stories that I like a lot, the Spider-Gwen run from Latour, Rodriguez, and Renzi in 2014. That uh, spans multiple volumes. I want to say it's like 20-ish, 30-ish issues. It's gorgeous, front and back. But that book really captures that struggle. Like when trying to, you know, toe the line between like, can I salvage my relationship with my dad? Can I be the hero I want to be? Can I be a drummer in a band, etc.? And then obviously the movies have picked up on that a lot. For all of, you know, people's complaints about Spider-Verse, the new one across the Spider-Verse having a cliffhanger, it's like, I think it does a really good job threading the needle with Gwen and her arc in that movie, making it in its own way a complete story. And I, I think it's beautiful. Um, what was I? T- I was talking about Spider-Man. Yeah, we're talking. We're always talking about Spider-Man. But like your favorite Spider-Man stories, we're still t- on yeah, that subject. Yeah, um, it's tough because like there's a lot of fun Spider-Man stories. I mean, I could list off fun Spider-Man stories all day. The the one that I like really jumped in with because it was when I first started reading comic books was Dan Slott's run, which spans gosh a decade. Uh, about eight years. Yeah, like 2010 to 2018 is what's considered like the the yeah, slot run. Yeah, which is crazy because I. Never stood a chance in the sense that when I started reading comic books, um, Grant Morrison was starting his uh, their Batman run, Jeff Johns' Green Lantern run was starting, and Dan Slott's Spider-Man run was starting. And I was reading all of those pretty much like from the jump. I want to say I was in 2008 when I would have been in like fifth, sixth grade. Sixth we're turning 12, so we we're fully in sixth grade going into yeah, seventh. That's yeah, that's when I was at the comic yeah. shop every Saturday to play Yu-Gi-Oh, but also to read comic books in between rounds of the Yu-Gi-Oh tournament. and. That run, it means a lot to me. It's not perfect. It's very uneven, but it's it's solid. I, I really enjoy it. I just wish that we didn't have to keep doing the Peter and MJ aren't together story anymore. It's it, a reason I gravitate a lot towards the new movies is the Spider-Verse movies is that Peter is happy. Peter is married. I mean, Peter A is dead, but Peter mm-hmm. B is, you know, happy and married and has a kid. It's like, that's the evolution of that character. It's like you either shit or get off the pot and... I'm so tired of walking back the Peter and MJ relationship. Uh, the Hickman and Marco Cicchetto have a run starting in Ultimate Spider-Man in a couple months that I'm so stoked for because the cover is literally just Peter is older, has a beard. He's married to Gwen or uh, to Mary Jane, sorry. And they have two kids. Jerry Conway, who wrote a lot of uh, amazing Spider-Man stories, including the night that Gwen Stacy died, has a series from a couple years ago called Renew Your Vows, and it's an alternate universe where they have a daughter, and I can't remember if Mary Jane has powers or just has, like, equipment to fight crime, a spinneret, but I like that one a lot, because it's like, oh, like, they're, they're a family unit. That's cool. Yeah. The struggle doesn't become, like, can they have a relationship? The struggle becomes, can they raise a kid? Yeah. And we will talk about the forever war of being Spider-Man uh, when we get into the game proper, but I do also want to say, like, a big important part of advancing these storylines is because like, you know, Spider-Man is a 61 year old character now in terms of where he started, where he is now. straight for his age. Yeah. Yeah. 61 year old, 15 to 24 year old guy. But like the experience of being Spider-Man was so isolating for a long time. And the idea of like connecting him with somebody, whether that is through Miles Morales or uh, having a child of his own or like Mary Jane actually being involved in the action. That is so significant in terms of like making car- progress in a characters because his in, like what venom 
being like the the anti-hero version of him that's the only like t- the only other time i can see somebody that isn't myself isn't is an alternate version of me basically yeah that's again isolating and the idea of like making this number one like putting your money where your mouth is in terms of like making spider-man anybody you know the spider the multiverse concept being as bloated as it is the the spider-verse movies executing on these and having them be meta textual and how they approach these stories and like saying that anybody can be spider-man there are so many spider-man out there and there's so many people struggling with the specificities of being spider-man it's it's great that that's good stuff i again i don't want to spoil it but something that across does really well is it's like okay like th- like this is a guy be it peter or miles who's trying his best mm-hmm. in his respective universe he's trying his best and again you throw a lot of balls in the air you're not going to catch every single one of them i mean that, that is that. Um, they address that that isolation really well in in the sense of like these people do not have to do it alone. If you're trying your best and your friends are trying their best, you can get a lot farther together. And I, sure. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. And being able to also weed that in with like themes of marginalization with the various forms of Spider Man that are in there, like Gwen's narrative in that, and Miles's like personal narrative with his family and his identity and all that too you know, weaving that in with like the struggle of being Spider-Man is incredibly smart. And again, putting the money where your mouth is in terms of being Spider-Man. Now, you're getting very emotional right now. We're both very emotional people uh, when it comes to talking about Spider-Man. Let's have a fun version of this conversation. Oh, God, yeah. What is your definitive version of a Spider-Man toy? What is your Mafex Batman hush? I mean, it's Mafex Spider-Man. I've got a Mafex 75, like that's the edition or like release number. Mafex 75 Spider-Man. Love that toy. I have it twice over. I have the 75 and then like the 150 or 175 or whatever they did later on with like lighter colors. Uh, he's just great. He's good. He's got the articulation out the wazoo. He can do all the crazy crouches and crawling and whatever. But that's expensive. <laughs> that one's like $75 on a good day, the, the more recent release. Uh, the affordable answer is the... Marvel Legends Amazing Fantasy 15 Spider-Man that they did last year. Love that toy. He's also a little expensive on the aftermarket now, but I really, yeah, I, I don't know. He's a good figure. I mean, I've always had Spider-Man toys. Like, I remember as a little kid, we had a Spider-Man that had magnets. He didn't really have hands so much as he just had magnets on the end of his arms. And uh, he had magnets in his feet. And I just remember carrying him everywhere. I'd carry him, I'd attach him in my dad's Volkswagen Jetta when like, cars were still metal. Uh, I remember taking him to the park for my sister's birthday and I would just throw him at shit and he would attach. And my dad still has that toy somewhere. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like definitive, it's funny because like you see the through line, it's like Toy Biz in the early 2000s has Spider-Man classics, which kind of becomes Marvel Legends at a certain point, which I'm sure some people have heard of that toy line. And the Spider-Mans in that line are, they're, they're very Todd McFarlane-y looking. And then... The Mafex is basically like, hey, what if we took that 25-year-old toy or 20-year-old toy and you know, we made it basically perfect? Uh, the, the artwork for the head sculpt of the, that they do, the unmasked head, is very like McFarlane, John Romita Jr.-y, and it just pushes all the right buttons. There's a lot of good Spider-Man toys out right now, though. Like, I mean, especially with the uh, new movies and stuff. There's the SH Big Yards Across the Spider-Verse figures. Uh, I don't have a ranked list for the year, but if I did, that Miles and Gwen are damn near the top. Love that toy. But, I mean, to me, Spider-Man is always going to be red and blue. Be it Peter under the mask or not. Like, it's, it's red and blue Spider-Man. 
So the Mafex is the answer. But, and I know we're going to talk about skins later, but it, it is really messed up that there are, and, and maybe it's just like the concept lends itself really well to designs, but in terms of like iconic comic book costumes, Spider-Man's got a kajillion mm-hmm. between him and all his variations. Like it's, sure. there's a reason it's a big, big aspect of the games. Yeah, no. They've been doing this for as long as Spider-Man, not, not as long, but like this is not something that's like new to Insomniac. Like it's a part of like the video game experience of Spider-Man for years, which we're going to talk about now. Spider-Man has over 41 years of video game history on his own, starting with Spider-Man in 1982 on the Atari 2600, and most recently, Spider-Man 2 on the PlayStation 5. When I, when I say it that way, it sounds like there's only two Spider-Man games ever, but I promise you there's too many. There's too many Spider-Man. There's a lot, yeah. What are your favorite Spider-Man games, excluding the one that we're talking about today? I mean, this one does it. Like, this one gets it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I've played a lot of them. Uh, basically, everyone in my lifetime that's come out, I think I've probably played it in some capacity or another. I did not like the Andrew Garfield movies. Mm-hmm. But the games are fun. Like, they're, they're fine. The web swinging is interesting because it's very, like... It's third person, but it does that, like, kind of Gears of War thing where it's, like, the camera's lodged right here. The over-the-shoulder view. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it does a lot of that, which, like, makes it feel more intimate. I get what they're going for. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Before that, so it's Spider-Man 2018. Before that, I think the last one was the Andrew Garfield games, because that's 2011 or uh, so 2012, yeah, the, 2014. 2014 was the last Spider-Man game to come out before Marvel Spider-Man. Yes. Yeah. And then before that is some bangers. So we've got Shattered Dimensions, and it's, like, spinoff Edge of Time. I didn't play Edge of Time, but I did play Shadow Dimensions a lot because Edge of Time's Doogie Dog shit. Is it okay? It's just like it's it's also like inside one building the entire game, and you're switching between two people, and like the it's stupid. Okay, yeah, it sounds bad. But um, web swinging is like the core part of. Sp- Continue. Yeah, I Shadow Dimensions is fun though because it like when I was a kid, man, like I, what what year is that game? 2010. Uh, yes. They do Spider-Man Noir, Ultimate Spider-Man, Standard Spider-Man, and Spider-Man 2099, and they get different voice actors from different Spider-Man like media to do the different Spider-Mans in that game, which is really cool. The artwork is damn near one-to-one the way that these people drew these characters. So like the Mark Bagley ultimate Spider-Man with like the purple sheen to the symbiote. So cool. Mm -hmm. So cool. Love that. The standard Spider-Man, the red and blue Spider-Man that game is very John Romita senior. If I remember right, which I appreciate the Noir universe being all monochromatic. And then Spider-Man 2099 is just cyberpunk Spider-Man the same way that Batman Beyond is just cyberpunk Batman. And uh, cyberpunk stuff's cool. So, like, yeah, yeah, I think it's Neil Patrick Harris is Spider-Man 2099. I think so, yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. And, uh, yeah, that's cool. I mean, I gotta look up the voice cast for that. I can show you right here. Okay, no, Neil Patrick Harris is an amazing Spider-Man in this Okay, okay. It's um, Christopher Daniel Barnes is Noir. Which is the 90s Spider-Man. Yeah, and yeah. Dan Gilvezon is Miguel O'Hara. He's Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Oh, I just met him this weekend at Transformers Con in Orlando. Oh, really? Yeah, he's Bumblebee in the G1 cartoon. Yeah, so Spider-Man and his amazing friends is 2099, and then Josh Keaton is Ultimate. Oh, cool, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's I, I did not know. I didn't uh, talk to him very long, but yeah, very nice guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. But uh, you said that that's another Spider-Man game you enjoy. Yeah, uh, and then before that, I think right before... For that is um because it's it's after Spider-Man three which had a video game mm-hmm. but Spider-Man Friend or Foe I love Friend or Foe uh, just because it incorporates the rogues in, a, in an interesting way and around that same time is Spider-Man Web of Shadows which is 
narratively, dog shit. Uh, very fun game, though. Holy shit, do I love that game. Yeah, I have a love-hate, like-hate relationship with that game. I'll say that. Like, oh I think everything involving the narrative is just like, I hate this. I hate this so much. And I do not love the art style whatsoever. Oh, it's so emo. It's like it's like Linkin Park Spider-Man. No, it's effective. <laughs> it's effective. It's just symptomatic of what the art style of video games were in 2008. Yeah. Like it is show me a 2008 video game. I will pull out Spider-Man Web of Shadows and be like that's 2008. Like, yeah, narrative dog shit, but like I do enjoy the combo system and what they are doing with like the e- seamless transition between Dark Spider-Man. With the analog stick. It's insane. Yeah. The, the, yeah, and like the different skill trees with the the different stuff, your different allies. That's another thing is that game incorporates like other characters like weirdly, but also like in a way it feels so organic to Marvel comics. Cause like mm-hmm. Luke Cage is just there. Yeah. That's cool. Like that should be more common. Like he doesn't necessarily always have to be teaming up with the Avengers or anything like that. But like, I like when stuff feels lived in and like, I love that like Wolverine shows up in that game and it's just like, God, not this guy again. Like, it, like your relationship with him is, is already there. It's, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Also Moon Knight's in that game, yeah. which, weird like what a weird cast of characters that one has yeah i respect spider-man web of shadows but i also deeply dislike it but like i do like you know just the idea that like it had like oh backhand knowledge of luke cage and uh moon knight but also just sort of like all right and then here's just like this morose venom show let's do venom all the time and yeah yeah but, but even then like i don't know if it's like the people making the game feeling constricted by that or just it coming out of that premise, but like uh, electro venomized and vulture venomized, uh, they're fun. Uh, the the black cat venomized fight is intense. I like guess it's it's, a, it's fun. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. Like it's one of those. If you think about it for a second, it's very dumb, but I, I do enjoy it. Also, the whole I mean, Manhattan gets venomized, like gets black goo all over the place, and I, it's fun. I, I have a, I have a really good time with that game i revisited it a few years ago and it it's clunky compared especially compared to 2018 but i enjoyed a lot yeah so those you know we're still going back down yeah that's the thing is I'm, I'm going backwards so like before that spider-man 2 uh you were playing the ultimate spider-man video game i okay i did but i rented that one mm-hmm. we were broke I, I rented that one um i played it i enjoyed it uh and then i remember being like oh i'm gonna go back and get that and it was like expensive for some reason at the time and i i yeah just never got around to it so yeah my brother like i played that one almost as much as i played the spider-man 2 video game and i like it i always preferred spider-man 2 even at the time but i enjoyed the art style of it i like the little alternate costumes that it gave you and i enjoyed the fact that you could play as venom and throw a card car really you could that's yeah. true and it's ultimate venom so he's like kind of bigger grosser right? yeah he's the he's the vampire version of venom he has to like eat people to sustain the the symbiote thing i guess that's venom in all iterations but like that one really leans into it i don't yeah, know yeah i mean yeah i don't know the best we're going to talk about venom the best venom stuff the best venom stuff is like spectacular spider-man the cartoon yes um, cheeks galloway's character designs for that i love venom's got like kind of a underbite sort of thing going on um he, he's grotesque but it's in that show and i mean they really hammer at home with like the force ghost vision of uncle ben but it is all the power none of the responsibility and that's the only way that venom is interesting beyond just looking cool because he does look cool i 100 he is the shadow the hedgehog of spider-man i'm not gonna act like he's not rad looking but in terms of like thematically working with the character all the power none of the responsibility and spider-man being like yeah i, I can't let that fly that rolls it's, it's probably the only way that works so 
covering Manhattan in it in Web of Shadows doesn't. Um, yeah. The ultimate stuff with Venom was always weird to me. I, I never really got into the, the vampire stuff as much. Like, I get what it's going for, but have you read Bendis' Ultimate Spider-Man? No, my, my exposure to Ultimate Spider-Man was that game. Okay, so the game is faithful from what I remember, um, mm-hmm. maybe to a fault, because I don't love that book. It does a lot of really good character stuff, but then it's like everything goes back to Oscorp and that, and I hate that. Oh, sure. Yeah. Back to video games, and then like Spider-Man 2, which is sort of the originator of like what the format is yeah, going to yeah. be moving forward. It is like, the kernel of what Spider-Man 2018 will be. Yeah, and I can speak to that as sort of like, a, this is the there are a good Spider-Man games before Spider-Man 2, specifically the Neversoft developed Spider-Man 1 and 2 on the PlayStation, Neversoft being the company that develops Tony Hawk Pro Skater games. They do a really good job of like, here's what Spider-Man stories are like in the 90s. Here they are in video game forms. They're loosely sort of based off of the 90s cartoon, but they are yeah. very much like... No, the designs are like almost to a T, the 90s yeah, yeah, cartoon, yeah. yeah. Like they're, they're doing that, but it's like, a, it's like its own side continuity thing. And it's good stuff. Is it All, Spider-Man and then Spider-Man 2 Inner Electro? Spider-Man 2 Inner Electro. And nice. they, they both do a really good thing of like, here's a million alternate costumes. Here's like that all like have like little cards that explain the lore. Um, yeah. Stanley is the narrator for it, which, you know, again, like complicated figure who did a lot of horrible things. To, Undeniably like, tied to one of my favorite characters of all time. And, you know, yeah, I but, like, yeah, it's. But like, that's how you I figured out who Stanley was as yeah. a figure. Like, that's my framework no, like, for my understanding of Spider-Man. Obviously, the MCU has like like sealed the deal on people knowing who Stanley is, but it, it always throws me for a loop when a kid is like, Oh, that's Stanley, like a little kid. Like, like, Oh, that's Stanley. Like he's a character. And I mean, I guess that's kind of the point is like, what if my first name was Stan and my last name was Lee? Like, yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like it's a, it's a, it's a name that a four year old can say bitten by a radioactive Stan. Like, like seeing like uh costumes for like uh the bombastic bag man when I was four years old. And it's like, Oh, there's so much going on in this universe. Uh, Side note, and like I, before I move back to uh, the, the movie games, uh, Spider-Man 2 Inner Electro, which isn't as good as Spider-Man because the Venom and Carnage stuff and the Doc Ock stuff in Spider-Man 1 is like what people find iconic. And it, Listen, Carnage Ock is awesome. It's yeah. cool. It's, it's this big fucked up Cronenberg monster thing at the end of that game. That, and it's scary. It is, it is like a Rogue One Vader hallway shit just coming at you. It's yeah. like they're doing so many different uh, major A-list villains on the way to that. And then Spider-Man 2 and Electro is like a three to four hour game. And it's like, well, if Electro is the main villain, what does that mean? Who, we ha- who do we have left at this point? And they're like looking around. It's like, uh, we got Hammerhead. We, we got Hammerhead. Yeah. We got him. Ham- yeah. So like- the Game Boy version of that, I'm, I, I don't know if it's Inner Electro or if it's just called Spider-Man, or, but it's that same publisher in that time, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Hammerhead fight rules. I remember I would fight with my Game Boy Advance, like on the way to first grade, like every day being like, God fucking damn it. Because it was so struggling. But uh, the thing with Spider-Man 2 is it came out in late 2001. Yeah. Because oh, it had yeah. to be delayed because it the did. final level is set on the World Trade Center. I think it's like in between them. In the original design, you have to jump between the World Trade Centers to like stop Electro is like using his like electricity powers to like. Yeah. Yeah. If do that. Spider-Man was there, it would have gone down different. Instead, because 9-11 happened, there wouldn't be a final level. So it's just a generic building yeah. that has a bridge connecting the two and yes. therefore cannot be twin towers. It's just one building yeah. with a bridge. Yeah. I mean, there's also like the, the movie poster or, or like they edited out of the trailer for the Raimi stuff. So, I mean, like there's there's. Yeah, I, that's what happens when your character is 
forever tied to one city. That's I, I do think a lot about like I, I think a reason that Spider-Man connects with people so much is like, okay, it's this guy trying his best, whatever, this and that. But it's also like in the place that, you know, as a kid, you're shown and taught and uh, it, you know, like like New York City is fetishized. So it's like, oh, this guy's doing it in like the big apple. Like there's something to that that he obviously they make jokes about it in the movies now where it's like, oh, he can't swing off of nothing, so he's just useless in a field. But uh yeah, there's there's something to like the um urban terrain of Spider-Man and and being tied to that city the way he is. I, I think that more characters should do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's interesting because Gotham is not a real place, but it feels very real, especially when it has like a solid art direction, like in the Burton movies and um, you know, it makes it feel that much more significant to to the character. There's like significant places, but like there's also a sort of freestyle that every person who's like telling a new Batman story in a different continuity is like, here is my interpretation of what this is. Yeah. Whereas Spider-Man's always going to be in New York and you're always going to have to know like Manhattan and Queens and Brooklyn to an extent. Uh, at the very least, to like tell these stories, like you have to be everything. Again, is I literally New York. was able to get around New York because I was like, "Oh, I know where I'm at because I played the Spider-Man game." Like, yeah. I, I, I went to go visit New York. It was uh, end of 2018, and then beginning of 2019, I went a few times, and yeah, it was like, "Oh, I, I know where I'm at because of the game." Because the it's like damn near a one to one model of of Manhattan. Yeah, which is in, it's wild. Like, yeah, apparently the new one is even crazier. Which yeah, and it expands the map some more, so there's new places yeah. to go to on top of that. But yeah, then the Spider-Man movie game from 2002 is using the the style of level-based gameplay where you can freely swing around, but you don't have to connect to a building. It's just like, here is Spider-Man in like level form. Fine, great. But 2004, it's like, do you want a simulator of what it would be like to be Spider-Man? Here is the open world. This is how massive the city that he protects is. This is you swinging around. You, your webs have to connect to a building. He's under a lot of stress. There's so much that he has to do. And that just reframes like our like this is like a game that's actually like in service of the character where it's thinking of, okay, what do we do to actually like use the interactive medium to depict what it is like to be a superhero instead of like Superman flying through rings or Spider-Man being just shooting webs at people as part of his like action as part of an action set piece? What if you are actually fully Spider-Man in this world? Yeah, yeah. I remember that demo for 2018 where it was like, okay, like the helicopter's coming down. And then, like, it just got it so intense because, like, you feel it. And, like, a big thing for me in, um, like, animation in general, but, like, specifically video games and, or I guess, like, computer generated art uh, is the weight of something. If you feel the weight of something. And I obviously, physics is a huge aspect of 2018 Spider Man. And I, I think that's a reason that it fascinates me so much because it's like it it does feel like the most real that it can like if a helicopter is coming down to the whatever it's like oh my gosh like yeah that it's crashing through buildings and the webs the tensile strength of them is only but so much and it can mm-hmm. only you know you you're running out of webs etc and like obviously you get to a point in the game where you get a little op and you're just like throwing drones and hologram mannequins at people and stuff but like it still does a really good job of like that that core spider-man stuff is there yeah and I will compare and contrast the two later that I just like need to like explain the significance of Spider-Man 2 as like yeah. the thing that like sort of reframes the conversation of like, how do we make superhero video games yeah. in like these big budget settings? It's um, uh, Neversoft develops uh, the, the, the PlayStation ones, but it's Treyarch that develops the Spider-Man movie games in Web of Shadows. 
Mm. Uh, and I think Ultimate Spider-Man 2, they developed those open world ones. It's just such a brilliant execution of, specifically Spider-Man 2 at least, being able to like, let's build this all in service of like making an experience where you, the player, understand the power set of Spider-Man and feel the strength of Spider-Man and weaving that in with Bruce Campbell doing the narration for those, for those <sighs> that is. Damn, yeah. It's great. Like that's, again, how did I know who Bruce Campbell was when I was eight years old? Yeah. I, it's because I watched Burn Notice. I liked Burn Notice a lot. Um, sure, but I wasn't watching. I was watching cartoons exclusively at the time. But like, I knew people like Bruce Campbell because he was so inextricably tied to the Spider-Man yeah. canon through Raimi. You can improve the range on your goon toss by charging your throw. Just hold the grab button while you're grabbing a goon, then release him and boing, watch that sucker fly. The first game toby does the voice work for he does it for at, at least the first two and maybe he does it for three i don't remember because okay. i didn't play the spider-man three is the it... game but he does it he definitely does it for the first two melina does the voice of doc ock kirsten dunst is there i'm trying to remember is it that toby goes too hard or that he's like phoned in no he's phoned in like yeah oh no dr connor's class i got so caught up in what i was doing i forgot all about it it's going to kill me. I can't believe I'm running so late. I like I don't know if it, like part of his like multi-million dollar contract to continue doing Spider-Man movies was like him being forced to do it, but like he is not enthused at all in his voice yeah. performance. And Kirsten Dunst an incredible actress not doing her most yeah. either. And like I mean Bruce Campbell's Bruce Campbell. Like, Bruce Campbell's Bruce Campbell. Alfred Molina is a professional. I will laugh over your broken corpse. That's it. Take your last breath. You will pay with your miserable life. I will grind you into dust. Like, what was that article that he said? Like, I'll do anything. I'm a bit of a slut that way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he is. Yeah. He's amazing for it. Raimi gets it because it's like people complained a lot about Toby. I remember. And like, especially because like, oh, Andrew Garfield's cool. He's not supposed to be cool. Peter Parker is supposed to suck. He's supposed to be a dweeb and a little awkward. Like coming off creepy but like not on purpose you know like taking pictures of mary jane when she's not looking yeah that's fucking weird but it's also like he just doesn't know because he's socially awkward raimi's smart because what he does he's like he's like i'm gonna take this like kind of like you know this doe-eyed like dweeb and i'm gonna pair him up against like just a fucking force in nature with defoe and molina like it's so smart oh man those movies roll yeah first two obviously kick a ton of ass three is complicated but i do love it Trying to think of, I'm trying to think of like what a more Raimi pick for. I mean, he wanted to do Malkovich as Vulture, and I, yeah, mm-hmm. God, man, eject that into my vein. I yeah. haven't seen Spider Man three in a few years. I've seen Spider Man one and two within the past few, I think. Oh yeah, I can quote them all from memory, and also the videos of uh, the guy doing the Willem Dafoe impression of Green Goblin going crazy for the big rib. Yeah, yeah, essential art, essential art. Um. what do you mean (laughs) Uh, so we talked we spent a lot of time talking about like developing video games in service of the mechanics and the simulation of a superhero sure before we fully get into marvel spider-man 2018 development we haven't even talked about the game yet not even i'm going to ask you to come up with ideas with me for other potential superhero video games in a new segment called i need a hero i was thinking of like for time purposes uh, to skip this, but I already wrote this down and I'm going to sing it. Okay. I'm sorry. I need a hero. I'm asking you for a hero to play as every night. It's gotta be fast because the IP is strong and we have to create a franchise. I'm sorry. 
I don't, I wanted to and also didn't want to do that. No, that's pretty good. Thanks. Yeah. Anyway, what superheroes do you think should get more video games or should have video games okay. that aren't properly represented in video games and what mechanics would be in service of those? Sure, uh, sure. Heroes? Okay. Give me a Resident Evil game with Hellboy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like Magnolia's artwork is the kind of thing that could be adapted into a game. Uh, and it's one of those, like, that just feels like a no brainer, you know? Um, when I say a Resident Evil game, I have not played those games. I've watched Kiefer play those games. And my understanding is, like, you know, this series of escalating fucked up things. And yeah, I, I would play a Hellboy game in a heartbeat. And if you want to do, like, you want to switch it up, you have Abe or whoever show up, Abe Sapien. Um, I'm trying to think. Of... While you think of some, let me pitch you one. Sure, right yeah, down. yeah, hit me. A Phoenix Wright Daredevil game. Okay, yeah, yeah. You can make it so there's like action stuff between the court cases, but the idea of like him. Just like, a superhero. A superhero, game. like She Hulk, Ace Attorney. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that probably works better for what you're talking about. Sure. Let it be both. But when she slams her hands on the desk, it breaks. Yeah, that's yeah. sold. Like, yeah. Tr- three kajillion copies sold. But like having like a game that's half like visual novel evidence based like puzzle solver and then also like a solid action game on the side. So you're serving like both parts of my primal brain. Sure. Yeah. It's it's a strange that that hasn't been done. They have a Harvey Birdman Ace Attorney. Club, I was going to say. I, but I, they don't have a Daredevil one. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. strange. Ace Attorney is like a recent thing for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I watched Kiefer play that. Uh, it rolls. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the music. Love the music. Uh, I trying to think of of superheroes that lend themselves well to a video game because i mean again the trick is like like green lantern does not lend itself well to a video game in the sense that well i want to make whatever i want to make out of the ring light uh and you know there's only four buttons on the fucking controller (laughs) you can only do but so much right people are always like showing like here is a tech demo of what a flash game would look like and it's just him running really fast across the world that doesn't yeah that doesn't what do you do with that yeah exactly and that isn't very fun to me. Again, like Wolverine lends himself really well because it's like the, he's a guy, he's got a healing factor that's already built him, like, you know, his stamina wheel and shit. Wolverine is just, I, I don't know, I feel like that's a game I'm looking forward to a lot. I don't know when that's supposed to come out, if it's supposed to come out. I, I mean, they've just made Spider Man 2. I'm imagining that's next on Insomniac's okay, list. Okay, because I mean, there was a trailer, so I, I don't know how that But works. not a gameplay trailer. Yeah, I don't know how, I don't know how games work. Video and, game, you can just lie. Yeah. For like the first three years of after like announcing a game because he didn't show gameplay. And then like you spend the other like five years. Figuring yeah, out it's a Wolverine game. It'll sell eventually. I'm trying to think these because there's so many characters like like, yeah, they have a fun power in the terms of like, you know, a comic book or a movie or whatever. But like in terms of a game, what works best? I. OK. All right. This is this is what I'm pitching. This is a, mm. a very specific to everything. OK, go for it. I want a Ratchet and Clank game. But instead of Ratchet and Clank, it's Booster Gold and Blue Beetle Ted Court. Okay. And uh, it's it's you going through different time periods. And, you know, there's some narrative. Uh, do like some Bioshock Infinite, wibbly wobbly, whatever you want to do there. But yeah, it's like the idea of there's the tech guy. Basically, like Booster Gold would be Ratchet and then Blue Beetle would be Clank. Yeah, that that checks out. That all works to me. Mm-hmm. Um, alternatively, I love Catwoman. I love Catwoman. And I think like, you know, like a thief game. I mean, like, I don't want to say Sly Cooper because I'm sure there's better examples, but like, you know, Sly Cooper, but with Catwoman shit, I'd, sure. I'd be into that. 
Some like you want you want a stealth game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I like the stealth stuff in uh, Arkham City with her fine, but like I like you know I want that like Mission Impossible like laser beams and diamond cutting and that kind of stuff yeah no i like conceptually the catwoman stuff but it is so obviously dlc slash pre-order bonus like oh extra and, and stuff. City, yeah it's yeah. not it's not fully fleshed out but like the idea behind it is like yeah i get it yeah yeah no totally yeah it's it, again it's like i how do you do a doctor strange game when it's like well he can do anything and it's like okay well that doesn't really work i'm mm-hmm. i'm trying to figure out a character that I was going to say, oh, like Thor with the hammer. That's cool. Just play God of War. That's the that's the thing, yeah. uh, except he can fly. But that's too much. Like, I think the thing that's attractive about and easier to build to is like characters with an inherent limitation. Like, yeah, flying is the killer for a lot of stuff because like you have just basically broken the map. Yeah. Uh, by having like some sort of like limitation that you have to work around, like even when you are able to fly in the air in Tears of the Kingdom, you have like a battery limit and also yeah, like, the, exactly. the, the, the architecture of what you've built. But like the smart idea behind the Superman Returns video game is like having the health be the a city. Brilliant, brilliant concept. Just a poo-poo game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, you know, smart concept. And you just need people with like some inherent limitation to keep it in check. Yeah, I, uh, you know what, actually, I've got, a, I've got a good one. This is another weird deep cut. And I'm showing myself as like a big Justice League International fan here. But uh, do like a weird puzzle game but with Mr. Miracle. And it's just him breaking out of Space Alcatraz or whatever, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like he has to get off of apocalypse because uh, i mean his whole thing is that he can get out of anything and it's like i think that would be fun because like you can do like some combat stuff but like the puzzle stuff wouldn't feel so tacked on if it's like you picking a weird high-tech block or what have you mm-hmm. also like you could do assist stuff from big barda who is his big bruiser wife who rolls yeah that, that's a fun one i feel like there's been a i'm sure you could list off a ton but like in terms of like a game where like the gimmick is like a special weapon and you you know use that weapon i think that playing a captain america game where it's like you are not indestructible but that shield is that shield can only face one direction etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. um using that economically uh limited ammo so you're not using a gun a whole ton if at all I think that could be really the fun. inherent like risk factor of like that thing that's indestructible and will protect me. I need to throw it at this guy and have it come it's back Hades. to me. It's the shield in Hades. Yeah, exactly. and it's like I'd I'd play that with cool like uh, 60s, 70s Starenko spy thriller shit like that. Yeah, I'm I'd, sure. Yeah, give me that him breaking out of a shield base or helicarrier or something. Yeah, yeah, but I think we got some good ideas here. Obviously, I've copyrighted all of them, so now they have to call us. That's fine. If we're giving out ideas, we got to make money off of them. The Patreon's not enough. But look, we've, we've prolonged this long enough. Let's get into like the meat and potatoes of what people are here to listen to. Let's talk about 2018's Spider-Man. Spider-Man, sometimes referred to as Marvel's Spider-Man, is an open-world action game published by Sony Interactive Entertainment. It was developed by Insomniac Games, an American studio founded in 1994 based out of Burbank, California. 
This is the first game by Insomniac that we've covered on the show, so to give a little bit of background, Insomniac is known for developing the first three games in the Spyro series, the Ratchet & Clank series, and the Resistance series. They historically have been an independent studio that primarily developed games for the PlayStation series of consoles, but have developed games for other consoles in the past, most notably Sunset Overdrive, which was released on the Xbox One in 2014 and PC in 2018. Spider-Man was the first licensed video game developed by Insomniac. In 2019, they were acquired by Sony Interactive Entertainment to be a part of PlayStation Studios, making them no longer an independent studio and an official first-party developer for Sony. As of this recording, they are currently developing Marvel's Wolverine for the PlayStation 5. As for the people who worked on the game, this is a major production by a studio with over 400 employees, and Insomniac lists all of their current staff in the credits of their game. So we can't shout out all the people who worked on this game, but I can shout out a few key figures. Ryan Smith is credited as the game's director, a role that he served in Spider-Man Miles Morales as well. He was also one of the three credit directors in Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart that came out a couple years ago. Jean Paquette is credited as the game's lead writer. Benjamin Arfman is also credited as a writer. He would go on to be credited as the lead writer of Spider-Man Miles Morales. Screenwriter and comic book writer Christos Gage was given a co-writer credit for the game. Other notable credits from Christos include co-writing Season 1, Episode 9 of Daredevil with his wife, Ruth Fletcher Gage. As a comic writer, he is probably most widely known for his work on The Amazing Spider-Man, notably the 2018 crossover arc Spider-Geddon, as well as co-writing Superior Spider-Man and Spider-Verse with Dan Slott, who received an additional story contributions credit for his work on this game. Uh, Dan Slott. Uh, Comic writer and Twitter name searcher Dan Slott wrote 164 issues over eight years of Spider-Man starting in 2010 and ending in 2018, making him the longest-serving Spider-Man writer after Stan Lee, who wrote for the character for 11 years. Uh, Slot was also one of the writers in the 2010 video game Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions, developed by Beanox. Slot's work on this game would influence the 2014 Spider-Man storyline Spider-Verse, which would subsequently influence the 2018 film Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. So video games are an important part of how we see Spider-Man now. We have to accept that. Uh, Do you want me to give you the space to interject here because I yeah just... so uh, real quick so christos gage uh is like the guy that would pick up slack on slots run uh as, as like a fill-in writer and whatnot he's amazing he 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 gets the character his work on the superior stuff uh Kiefer, you like superior foes he writes like in that era of stuff yes yeah, superior foes is great yeah. well that's nick spencer and um steve lieber but unfortunately yeah nick spencer wrote that but i love it <laughs> no it rules it, it great book but yeah christos gage Every time that I was like, oh, that was a really good issue, it would always be because his name was on it. And I think it's really funny, just while we're talking about the writers of this game and whatnot, is that he's on the game. Game's good. He's on the first two DLCs. Or no, sorry. He's on the first DLC, which is the one with uh, the, the art that is stolen. And that one rolls. And then he's not a writer on the next two DLCs, which is the Hammerhead Silver Sable crap, and, and, which is bad. And I was like, the minute that he was off it, I was like, oh, I could just feel it. It just, it didn't have the same magic. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I love Christos Cage. Love him so much. Underrated. Give him Spider-Man. Like, honestly. Yeah. I, I, I figured you'd have some stuff to say about this because I, just, I haven't really read mainline Amazing Spider-Man. Really grinds my gears. My, my relationship, I literally read like the, the Stan Lee stuff that Ditko and uh, Ramita Sr. would go on to draw for that i've read all of that stuff i've like read that that was like stuff i grew up reading and as informant but like after beyond that most of my like understanding besides like the odd collected work 
that you would like loan me to read or superior foes and stuff like that. I'm not super familiar with like individual comic storylines. It's mainly movies and TV for me. Grant Hollis and Jacinda Chu, who have worked at Insomniac since the early 2000s, are both credited as the art directors for this game. Music was composed by John Pisano, who also composed for other superhero projects like Netflix's Daredevil and Defender series, as well as Invincible on Amazon Prime. He continues to compose for the Insomniac Spider-Man games. Chris Zimmerman Salter is the game's voice director. Other notable games she voice directed included the Metal Gear Solid franchise, the No More Heroes series, the Bayonetta series, among others. She worked with Yuri Lowenthal to help develop the voice of Peter Parker, where he would use a gentler voice when talking as Peter and then have a more confident performance as Spidey. Multiple versions of the same conversation were recorded for Spider-Man's open world dialogue. Different versions of the same lines will play depending on whether your character is at rest or exerting himself while web swinging or in combat. And these takes even switch mid-conversation if he switches from being at rest to being in combat. So this speaks to the level of care that not it's insane. Went. Yeah, it is crazy in the voices in the voice direction, but for the development of the entire game, it's yeah. like a, it's just a detail. That, Again, there is love in, in every aspect of it. Uh, the gameplay for the game is Spider-Man. I think everyone listening to this episode or most everybody would be familiar with what this game plays like. And we'll speak to individual mechanics later, so I'm not going to spend time on it, but I will speak to the plot some before we get started. We're not going into full spoilers until a little bit later. Okay. But as for the plot, at this time, the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man has protected New York City for eight years, and his alter ego, the 23-year-old Peter Parker, is still struggling to balance his work and social life with the responsibility that comes with having great power. He's no longer in a relationship with the love of his life, Mary Jane Watson. He's still supported by his Aunt May, who works at the Feast Homeless Shelter, supported by wealthy philanthropist Martin Lee. And he frequently leaves early or shows up late at his job, working with his close friend and mentor, Otto Octavius, who is developing advanced prosthetic limb technology. Wonder where that's going to go. The game starts where U.S. Spider-Man defeats the kingpin of crime, Wilson Fisk, and gets him sent to prison, creating a power vacuum among the gangs of New York. One group seizing this opportunity is an organized group of demon mask wearing criminals known as the Inner Demons, whom Spider-Man runs into during a break-in at an auction house during Wilson Fisk's massive art collection. He also runs into his ex, Mary Jane, who's working as a reporter. Mary Jane discovers some files at this auction house detailing a top-secret project known only as Devil's Breath that the inner demons have taken from her. Spider-Man and Mary Jane agree to work together, professionally, in order to investigate this theft and the group that carried it out. Mary Jane and Spider-Man, alongside Spider-Man's contacts at the NYPD, Captain Yuri Watanabe and Officer Jefferson Davis, whose name we are just going to skate right by, makes great strides in opposing the inner demons. What was he thinking? What was he thinking? Yeah. Uh, what was he thinking? Throws <laughs> <laughs> onto nothing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. However, Peter Parker's life continues to suffer. After nearly finishing their work on the prosthetic limb, Mayor Norman Osborn arrives to shut down their lab and seize their research as retaliation for Otto Octavius' refusal to work directly for his massive corporation, Oscorp. Mayor Norman Osborn also holds a massive rally for his re-election campaign where Officer Davis will receive a medal at City Hall. Peter, Mary Jane, and the unfortunately named Officer Davis's family, his wife, Rio Morales, and their son, Miles Morales, are all in attendance, and the rally is inter interrupted by the inner demons and their leader, Mr. Negative. Armed with explosives to conduct a suicide bombing with the goal of killing Norman Osborn. The deputy mayor is among the suicide bombers and attempts to set off the bomb, but Officer Davis pushes him away from the crowd, shielding others at the cost of his own life. As retaliation for the attack, Mayor Osborn hires Silver Sable and a private mercenary group, Sable International, to fight the inner demons. 
Meanwhile, Otto Octavius is plotting his own revenge against Osborn. Shenanigans ensue. Spider-Man was released on the PlayStation 4 on September 7th, 2018. Other games in 2018 include Celeste, Dead Cells, Dragon Ball Fighters, God of War, Monster Hunter World, Octopath Traveler, Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee, Red Dead Redemption 2, Spyro Reignited Trilogy, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. All these are really good games. What ultimately made you decide on Spider-Man? It had Spider-Man in it. Great. That's I, I don't think I'd even seen a trailer. And I was like, oh, there's a new Spider-Man game. And it's the people that made Ratchet and Clank, one of my favorite game series when I was a kid. Yeah, mm-hmm. sign me up. Yeah, no, that was like a game that we pre-ordered because we were just like Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't was, pre-order games. Yeah, it's because it had exclusive skins that you could only get if you pre-ordered it. And, you know, and again, <laughs> I went to GameStop. I went to GameStop and I bought that game. Yeah, we were both working the same poo-poo job together and mm-hmm. living in a tiny townhouse. And yeah, I, we, I mean, we just posted up like basically every night and played those games until like what, two, three in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I remember like coming home and playing my switch and playing super smash brothers ultimate and looking you in the eye and being like, Avery, this job makes me want to die. Yeah. Like yeah, saying it sincerely. And then like solid snake and Mario are fighting on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, cause I didn't play all of red dead too. I, played a lot of it and I watched you play most of it, but I, I did play. I mean, I put a lot of time into it regardless. Um, but Spider-Man, I played all the way through. Like I, we each had our own profile, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And again, I would just sit there and I'd swing and I'd stop and I would do photo mode and I would keep doing that over and over again. And it's not the best Spider-Man story. It's not my favorite version of the character or iteration or any of that stuff. Um, but it, it's good. It's really, really goddamn good. And in terms of a video game, it does everything I want a Spider-Man game to do, basically. So, yeah, I mean, that's why I picked it. Got Spider-Man in it. And it's a good reason, too. I think, it's, uh, I think it's a great game. And many people agree. But before we talk about your personal connection with this game, the individual parts of it that really work with you, we do have to talk about how other people can access and play this game in a segment I do every episode called... No Country for Old Games. Every you're familiar with this, but for the listeners who don't know, every episode I talk about video game availability because it is a, a subject that means a great deal to me. Video games are becoming harder and harder to access because publishers just generally don't care to Uh, keep them available on modern technology. And look, Spider-Man 2018, you would think, very easy game to talk about in terms of the realm of availability. Sure. But somehow, 20% of my notes are just talking about how do people play this game because it's a little weird. So in this segment, we're going to rate the availability of today's game on a scale of A to ARG. And ARG is obviously an an expression of frustration and how hard it is to acquire a game and not me covertly advocating for piracy that's illegal, and Spider-Man will kill you. He won't kill you, but he'll throw you off. He'll a break building. your knees. He'll break your knees, and then like web you to a building. Yeah, yeah. He'll he'll conspicuously somehow have attached a web line to you that webs you to the side of a building, as opposed to letting you splatter on the ground. You will believe you might die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he'll believe a man can die. <laughs> <laughs> so, despite being one of the newer titles we've discussed in the show, this game has a very baffling history of availability. I'm going to run through it very quickly, so we could just go back to Spider-Man as a character and not as an IP thing. Spider-Man originally released on the PlayStation 4 on September 7th, 2018. 
It was developed exclusively for the PlayStation 4, as most Insomniac games have been in the past. Makes sense. So far, so good. Paid DLC was released throughout the rest of 2018. These were story expansions with new main missions, side missions, and new enemy types, where random street crimes are replaced by crimes committed by the Magia family. It was called Spider-Man, The City That Never Sleeps, and was released in three distinct chapters. The Heist on October 23rd, Which is good. Yeah, that's the one you like. That's that one's good. The Black Cat facing off against Hammerhead and the Magia crime families. That um, one, yeah, that one's good. Turf Wars released in November 20th, 2018, and Silver Lining released on December 21st, 2018, which you didn't care for, uh, which continued the Hammerhead storyline as he grows increasingly powerful with new technology that he stole from Silver Sable's private mercenary organization. That's Silvermane. That's what gets me about I mean, that's not why I dislike it, but that is very funny that it's just like mobster who is just ahead on a robot bot. That's Silvermane. Yeah, but they do it with Hammerhead instead? They do. I, I, just, I just put that together. Yeah. Each set of DLC also came with three new suits for Spider-Man to wear in both the DLC and main story instances of the open worlds, which is why you kept buying into it. The, I got my ass. Yeah, yeah, it works. <laughs> we'll talk about the costumes. The collection of DLC was included in Marvel Spider-Man Game of the Year edition, released on August 28th, 2019. Again, still, everything makes sense so far so good. It's totally standard thing that many modern releases have a Game of the Year edition. That's still not the weird part. On November 12th, 2020, the PlayStation 5 releases in North America and Marvel's Spider-Man Remastered launches alongside it. This remaster includes the base game, all DLC, and adds five new suits, including a suit based on the 2012 Amazing Spider-Man film. It also includes the ability to transfer save files from the PS4 version to the PS5 version, updated textures, performance improvements, including near-instant loading, as well as haptic feedback support courtesy of the PS5's DualSense controller. Two additional suits based on No Way Home were added in December of 2021. And look, it's not because a remaster of a two-year-old game was released, so that makes the availability weird. Controversially, the remaster also changes Peter Parker's facial model. The, the faces it's so funny. look quite distinct. <laughs> uh, the facial model was originally John Bubniak and was changed to Ben Jordan from this point forward. Many people online have noted that the new facial model closely resembles Tom Holland. Yeah, the first one is like knockoff Andrew Garfield, and the second one is knockoff Tom Holland. And I, I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. It's just strange. Uh, yeah, like it would make sense. The current actor for Spider-Man, whose film's rights are still owned by Sony, who also publishes the game, Sony is like doing brand synergy stuff. That's basically everything about Spider-Man has been like synergistic in some way or another. But Insomniac Games' official reason that they gave for the change is that the new face was a better match for Yuri Lowenthal's performance. In a September 2023 article in a lead up to the game published by Comic Book, sorry, in a lead up to Spider-Man 2 specifically, published by ComicBook.com, writer Cade Onder asked Yuri Lowenthal, who not only voices Spider-Man, but also does the motion capture performance for the character as well. You know, he asks him about the facial model change and he said, quote, the performance was the same for me. I got over it as soon as they said, hey, we want to make this change to the facial animations better. I said, I'm all in. I don't care if he looks like a goblin. If my performance is better, then I'm in. I'm kind of tired of talking about it, to be honest, because I think everything that needs to be said has been said. Some people will take longer to get over it. Some people will never get over it. The one positive thing I take away from this experience is that people connected emotionally so hard and so deeply in the first game that they're mad when they feel the person changes. I can only be so mad about that because it worked. Not the change thing, but you connected with the character, which is great. Now get over it. (laughs) <laughs> that was the quote that he gave about the, the facial. He's clearly tired because yeah. of how people talk to voice actors and developers online. 
I get it. He's like, this wasn't my choice. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. I don't get paid enough for this shit. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't. Yeah. It's, it, it's just interesting. The, the, the facial model change. And that's, that's weird, but we're still not at the part where that makes the availability thing weird. Okay. What's really weird is how uniquely strange it was to access this remaster, especially compared to other PS5 upgrades of other PS4 games. Like if you got doom on ps4 and you got the upscale stuff on the ps5 it was just as easy as like all right i see the doom disc is in here do you want to download the ps5 version or the ps4 version with this here's my best explanation of how you could access the ps5 remaster of marvel spider-man initially you could only access it access it if you specifically bought the ultimate edition of spider-man miles morales a completely different game if you didn't buy the Ultimate Edition of Miles Morales, you could pay to upgrade the copy that you bought to the Ultimate Edition in the main menu of that game. So for over two years, the only way you could download the remaster on the PS5 was by buying a separate game and most likely paying extra money after buying it. Mind you, if you own Miles Morales on the PS4, which I did because he gave it to me as a Christmas gift, it was a free upgrade to PS5. Like Miles Morales, yeah. again, easy. You put it in. You want to download the PS5 version or the PS4 version? Yeah, great. That's it. With Spider-Man 2018, you had to have a... A different game, and it was... A, a premium version of a different game. Yeah. yeah. Easy peasy. Instead of whatever the fuck is going on there. Only on May 4th, 2023, did they give the player the option to purchase it as a standalone title. If you don't own the original game on PS4, you can pay $49.99 to buy it full price digitally on the PlayStation Store. If you own the PS4 game digitally or physically, you can pay $10 for a PS5 upgrade. This doesn't apply if you downloaded the game through a PS Plus membership, in which case you have to pay the $49.99 for the PS5 version. This shit's stupid as fuck. I don't own the PS5 version of this game to this day, and I have a physical copy of both Spider-Man and Miles Morales right next to me. Yeah. I'm good. I don't need it that badly. Yeah. But she's got a new hat. I can't speak to your costume fetish or anything like that. I don't remember what they added, so it's not a big deal. Garfield's 2012 suit and a few other things. Yeah. I, like some, mostly, I think it was like half original designs too, which they're hit or miss at. Yeah, I was going to say, very hit or miss. On August 12, 2022, the PC release of Spider-Man Remastered uh, was released on Steam and Epic Game Store as a standalone title instead of as a riddle you need to solve with your credit card. It typically sells on digital storefronts on PC for about $59.99 if there isn't a sale. That's fine. I think it's good that they release PlayStation games on the PC. Every game I've covered that was originally released for the PlayStation actually eventually got a PC port, which again, I think is a good thing. The other PlayStation games that I talked about on the show were Metal Gear Solid 3, Horizon Zero Dawn, The Last of Us, Final Fantasy 7, and Final Fantasy 8. All of those originally released exclusively on the PlayStation. They all have multi-platform or PC releases in the case of everything having a PC release. Metal Gear and the Final Fantasy games are now basically every fucking where now. Thank God. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's just good. It's just good. And also having a PC version of Spider-Man means you can like replace your character model with Kermit the Frog. Which is awesome. Which is fantastic. You or Uncle Ben's gravestone. Yeah. Which is also very funny. Very funny, yeah. yeah. Normally I would say like, oh, that means this is easily an A. But I'm still a bit confused because of the facial model change that does feel yeah. like, visionist. To me, yeah, it does. But it's also like you can still play the game. It's not like to the extent. It's, it's an A mm, with an asterisk. Yeah, A asterisk. It's not to the extent of like. A minus? Let me use a. Let me use like a, a a comic equivalent, right? It's not like when they re-released a Killing Joke with new art or like new art coloring, right? Yeah, yeah. Just that's just as a random example. It's not to that extent, but like just the idea of like the facial models changed in these specific cutscenes is weird. I think it's weird, so I'm not necessarily going to say like it isn't an A, 
but it is worth pointing out how fucking weird it is that like yeah, yeah. No, you- i get you yeah and it, that's it's interesting because i played the first game with that initial character model and that was my mental image and of of ps4 peter parker and then when i played miles morales on your ps5 i was like what's wrong with this first but like <laughs> it's not bad i don't think it looks bad and i think it actually the character models in the first game um suffer a lot from that square enix uh, avengers game where it's like they almost feel like people but not quite like the uncanny valley yeah, yeah. it's like in in that initial peter parker is like pretty good but it does feel i don't know there's something something off to it and i do think that the new one while it's kind of weird and gross that it's basically tom holland why can't it just be its own version of the character it has to kind of look like the one the synergy i think that's strange it is um especially because like there's going to be another peter parker actor one day and it's like are you going to go back and patch this game again for people that are buying it or when you remaster it for the you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. i yeah Yeah. all all weird but yeah a with an asterisk a with yeah a asterisk it's strange and especially strange because Insomniac did it themselves. It's not like another company came in was like outsourcing the the port or remaster or anything like that. Spider-Man 2018 was a critical and financial success. The game currently holds an 87 out of 100 on the review aggregation website Metacritic with 110 positive critic reviews and six mixed ones. It was nominated for multiple Game of the Year awards and appeared on multiple top games of 2018 lists. Shaq News and The Verge listed Spider-Man as their Game of the Year. Wired ranked it first on their top 10 list of 2018 games. The popularity of this game also led to the character getting a cameo in Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, also released in this year, 2023. Spider-Man is one of the best-selling titles on the PlayStation 4. On July 18th, 2019, an analyst from the market research group NPD reported that Spider-Man was the best-selling superhero game ever, uh, having outsold Arkham City, Arkham Knight, and Lego Batman. So before this, like this was a Batman-dominated yeah, thing, yeah. but spider-man is now which is crazy because i feel like so many people played spider-man too but sure yeah yeah but like it's like more like we're talking like not just millions but tens of millions of people bought spider-man 2018 yeah like it was not just a superhero game but also a triple a etc etc yeah yeah yeah. i get you in november of 2020 it was announced as marvel spider-man had sold 20 million units globally in june of 2022 it was reported that the series which at the time included this game and the Miles Morales spinoff game released in 2020 sold over a combined 33 million units. But we're not here to reduce the legacy of Spider-Man to review scores, sales numbers, or accolades. We're here to talk about what it means to somebody who played it. So let's get into it, Avery. There are no more kings in the summering lands. Only the place, only its people, only its magic remain. As if such things were so small. This is the Silver Age, an age of lords and companies, of warless, wandering swordsmen, of young ruins and heroes history will soon forget. Join us for Argent, an actual play podcast by Sasha Renault and Evan Swamy, featuring two GMs, a custom game system, and original music. This show is brought to you by the Moonshot Podcast Network. Listen every other Thursday wherever you get your podcasts, and follow us on Twitter at ArgentPod. What do you like about this game, Marvel Spider-Man, that you wish more video games would do? Oh, okay. That's a great question. 
I don't want to necessarily say that more games should do this. It's that I like when games do this. And so like we were talking about uh, Breath of the Wild earlier. Mm-hmm. Breath of the Wild is a game where, you know, unlimited possibilities on how you approach that game and whatnot. I, I saw someone complaining about the pacing of Spider-Man. And I always wonder, it's like, I wouldn't know the pacing of that game because I did so much shit in between narrative. Like I'd never... I can't imagine just playing straight through it. You know what I mean? Sure. Because like you do that initial kingpin thing gives you a good feel for all the controls and whatnot. You immediately have like at least two options for your suit. So you like immediately from the jump, you can change your outfit. And then I remember it's like uh, Rigby from regular show is like, Peter, meet me at the lab. And uh, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do that later. And I went through and I unlocked the entire map. And I did all the backpack token things so that I could get the Scarlet Spider suit or whatever it was. And I was just like, yeah. So again, pacing for this game, I wouldn't know what it is because I didn't play it that way. And I like having the option to do that. Does it maybe break it up a little bit and make it feel especially silly in that like climax third act stuff where like the city's on fire? Sure. But like going back to like how liberating it is to be Spider-Man, like I, you know, I don't want to be on rails for stuff and i appreciate that i'm not in this yeah i mean the big thing that people praise this game for is its traversal which is like locomotion is where a video game lives and dies by if your character does not fundamentally feel good to control it's it's not going to be a good time and people are willing to forgive a lot if your character is just super satisfying to control uh taking for example uh middle gear solid v the phantom pain a game that has a lot of stuff especially towards the end game that gets really repetitive and a lot of this stuff feels half-baked because so much of the story is locked behind audio tapes that you don't have to listen to. But that game feels so good to play in how, like, Snake controls, how, like, you are able to approach situations, the variety of ways you can approach that situation. People forgive a lot of it. And Spider-Man is fantastic to control this game. Everybody, I mainly just play the game to swing around. That's why people love playing this game. That's it's, it's the core appeal of it. Yeah, and I it, obviously your uh, traversal stuff upgrades throughout the game. You get like the little jump boost and like popping off the waypoints and whatnot. It's cool, um, but it is the kind of thing that it's it's addicting. Mm-hmm. Let me say this: is the traversal fun? Yeah, hundred percent. But it is enhanced a kajillion fold by how fucking beautiful the game is on both an audio and visual level. Because you know the the score is really good. It's a it's a really solid. Superman or uh, superhero score. It's evocative of like the Raimi stuff, like the Elfman uh, kind of stuff. But it's it's its own thing, which is cool, and I, I love it. But it's like that combined with like there is, you know, the the city that never sleeps, and it's different lighting. I think there's like three or four different settings for if it's dusk, dawn, midnight type thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like I can do the exact same swing through the exact same route, but. It depends on what costume I'm wearing, and it depends on what time of day it is, and it depends on, the, you know, the lighting in that moment. Maybe there's a bird in the sky that wasn't there before, and it, it just, it feels so much more rewarding just playing the game, not even, like, the story, mm-hmm. because there's so much to it, and it, it's, you know, it's it has ebbs and flows, and it breathes the yeah. way that a city would, which is really cool. The way that you describe it, it kind of sounds like a living, breathing diorama that you're, like, moving your character through, and, like, lighting... The, the the actual environments obviously like when you're fighting a character or like interacting with something in the physical world like your character is going to 
your character is reacting to that in some way, and you use the photo mode in this game a lot. There's photo modes are becoming more and more common in video games. I think every game should have it. <laughs> it's I think it's a nice feature, and like you make me think of this because you more than anybody uh, I know uses the photo mode a lot. Like having an actual photo mode where you're not only able to like just take a screenshot at any random time, but also just be able to like pose and move the camera around. I think the first game I ever saw do this was um, the re-release of the Uncharted games when they came out on the PlayStation 4. But I'm glad that games since then are making this more and more common because you you get so much value. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I mean, I literally made a PlayStation Network account just so that I could share the images off of it to like Facebook and whatnot because it was like, I just love this game so much. Another thing, this is this is really funny, but I, I think you remember this. I was drawing a picture, this is 2019, I was drawing a picture and I was like, okay, I want like a building and I want it to be from this angle, like the reference, you know, I need a reference of a building with this angle and, a, I, you know, windows and, and this and that, whatever. And I was like, I could try to find that specific image online or I could just boot up Spider-Man for the first time in a few months. It was uh, that Shazam drawing I was doing. And I literally was like, all right, let me zoom the camera out from here and then snapshot it. And then I had reference for like what that would look like at that angle. And again, like traversing the actual city of New York, I was like, oh, yeah, I have a general idea where I'm at. Like, it, mm-hmm. it's crazy. It's wild. Yeah. You, you said being able to navigate detail. through this um, Like world. when I say that, I don't mean like, oh, I know which turn to make. But it's like, OK, I have a general idea where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. And then if I go this way, I will have a general idea where I'm at right now. Yeah. And so on and so forth, which is it's fucking crazy. It is. Yeah. Something. I mean, this game doesn't do it, but this is something I like from like the Spider-Man two game on the 2004. Every time you entered a new neighborhood, there'd be like words would like fade into the screen saying you're in Soho right now. And I just like that because it's like a way of making the city feel distinct in its own way with like the limitations of the graphical ability here. There's enough detail that you can actually see visual differences in like Harlem. I could just just read street signs if I wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. Which is insane to me. Like it's, Mm -hmm. ah, God, it's crazy. It's very good at that. In terms of like other gameplay things that like I enjoy that this game does that I wish other games would do is accessibility in the sense of like people with either less video game experience or have some sort of disability are able to like make changes in the option setting to make the game more accessible to them or accommodating for them. For example, and this is something that I don't like about this game, but I'm glad that they can just toggle off the QTEs like you having to like press a button at a certain point in the game to keep the sequence going. You can just turn that off in the pause setting. So like the sequence just keeps going. You don't have to do that. I don't know that. Uh, you can also change it to like anytime you have to tap a button really quickly, you can just change it so you can hold the button down instead in the option setting. I'm sorry you're finding this out just now. No, it's cool. Because I am getting to a point in my life where like doing stuff like that over and over again is hurting my fingers and wrists. Sure. Uh, it's not just people with uh, diagnosed disabilities that like benefit from these things. These are like quality of life features that anybody can get a lot out of, especially as QTEs have become less and less popular. You can do it so like when you are chasing people down, like you can, there's a chase assist that will lower the top movement speed of chase targets and auto attach you to the chase target when you're within range. It's not just like changing something from like easy, normal to hard anymore. There's like little quality of life. Yeah, I had no idea about like any of this, but that's cool. Aim assist options, increased dodge windows, web shooter bursts that fire three webs at once instead of just one. Who Uh, is a game maker's toolkit? Mark Brown? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I again, I don't know anything about video games, but Kiefer and uh, crew have shown me game maker's toolkit. Mm -hmm. It's a hard thing to say. Game maker's toolkit, uh, which is a great YouTube channel that talks about these kind of things a lot. Yeah, it's, it's important. And again, more games should do it 100%. 
Yeah. I obviously am not coming at it from that angle, uh, but yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. I just like think I, I like talking about like, cause we have a lot to say about this game in terms of um, narrative. I imagine, especially you as somebody who has like <sighs> oh, yeah. played very, but like I wanted to like front load this with some like actual, like interactive stuff because this is stuff that one, it demonstrates that these people care about the, the video games and the interactive elements to go into it. Insomniac is incredible at game development. They're one of my favorite major studios working, but Casting as wide a net as possible when you're making a game about possibly the most known superhero in all of fiction. Yeah. That's good. It's like I know people who aren't into video games play Spider Man. You aren't the biggest video game player, but you've played this because it's Spider Man, and yeah. it's a good experience. So I'm glad that they they again. I want as many people to play as many things as they want. So yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, going to the narrative, what, like without having to like go beat by beat. What do you think of the overall? narrative of this game the story it tells and how it tells it yeah um so peter's pretty much pitch perfect in this game from a character and development and all that stuff like it again it it hits all the notes with peter that i want i didn't know like i knew about yuri lowenthal recording like resting in a uh, whatever but i did not know that he like specifically curated a peter voice and a spider-man voice and i think that's fun like you know people talk all the time about like oh well Bruce Wayne's really the mask and Batman's the real identity, but Peter is the real guy. It's just that Spider-Man's a showman when you're doing the kind of things he's doing. It's, it makes it a lot easier if uh, you are friendly in that neighborhood. And Mm -hmm. it's cool to know that like they took the time to be like, okay, well like how would that affect again, the audio design of the game? If he sounds different as Spider-Man, it's going to like emphasize that aspect of him a lot, which is really cool. Yeah. I, I, just had no idea about it but yeah peter's pretty much perfect again i didn't love the knockoff andrew garfield character model originally i I always thought it looked a little weird and so the new one's a little bit more organic the mary jane stuff in terms of like the weird little stealth missions i I don't think anybody loves that like i or like the miles morales section at the yeah uh, yeah yeah, it's just like come on like it's just like hey again it's like what i was saying it's like you know how liberating it is to play Spider-Man? What if you didn't have any of that? And I get that that's the point, but it fucking sucks. There's the point, but there's also like how much of Spider-Man is a fantasy that, that gives you that. There's certainly like if it were more like representative, like it doesn't necessarily have to be fun to play as like a normal human being. I think there's an interesting way you could depict that in like a, this is what a normal human being is like. And now you're Spider-Man again. Think about that. Yeah. But I think like since because you are doing like life threatening stuff with Mary Jane, and like the stealth is very clunky in its implementation. Yeah. And it's like not, I, it's not yeah. tense so much as it is annoying. And I, th- they kind of do it at one point in the feast place where it's like, Peter can't reveal he's Spider-Man. So he has to like sneak around as Peter and do this. And it's like, you should have just done that because a- another thing that drives me nuts about this game. And it's, it's, it's a take. It's a whatever. Mary Jane is just Lois Lane in this game. I don't know why she's a reporter or an investigative journalist or whatever the fuck. Um, she's just Lois Lane. I don't want her to be Lois Lane. Like if you were going to do that, like if you really needed to do that, like, Oh, Betty Brant or whatever the fuck. But it is so strange to me that they changed Mary Jane's character so much. Like she is classically an actress model. And I guess they wanted to do like a more girl boss thing i don't i don't really know what they're going for with it and i think it's like i think you're doing that character disservice by writing it differently and watering it down in a way that again she's just lois lane but not as cool and mary jane kind of bugs me and then miles bugs me a little bit because like he's fine but the same year spider-verse came out 
And it was like, immediately it was like, oh, wow. <laughs> One of these was a lot more charming and uh, likable. I mean, I don't really how else to say it. Shamik Moore's performance in that movie is incredible. Uh, he's, mm-hmm. he's fantastic as the character. It's an unfair point of comparison, maybe, because obviously they're doing their own things with it. But it's just like one of these versions is working a lot better for me as a character. And again, we were talking about like, how do you not make Miles just feel like little Spider-Man or like, you know, like like little Peter or like not as good. And I feel like the movie does it really well. The game didn't do such a good job of it, especially when you're pumping the brakes to do like a silly little stealth mission with him. Um, just wasn't crazy about it. Aunt May's interesting because they go for like that younger like approach more akin to like Marissa Tomei or Sally Field and I get it I, I think ultimately it still works the ending with her is fantastic still weird to me uh, Rosemary Harris is is Aunt May to me yeah like in, and I don't mean like oh it has to be her I just mean like you know like the old lady such so it's like such a human performance like from a classically yeah. like trained actress with like a lifetime of experience and you're dropping this like heart and soul into like this universe to make it grounded and to make the emotional stakes of it so much more believable there's like a scene with her in like each of the movies that's like the most emotionally it's like, hey this like, is why this woman's here yeah this is like her relationship with peter matters this is why and like every every movie it knocks the wind out of me yeah i feel like aunt may in the game she's just kind of like it's like you look like a police sketch of a person less of a person like mm-hmm. that uncanny valley thing it's like like there are there are features here that you know and i'm sure there's a character model like that's based on a real person or whatever but it just doesn't gel right it's just like the graphical ability of like being able to depict like a wrinkly maybe yeah, yeah. and um i think uh auto is fantastic and again i said earlier it's rigby from regular show and i think that's so cool that he plays uh auto octavius he's fantastic in the game i can only hear it at one point which is light spoilers at the end of the game we're, 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 we're in spoiler territory okay. here's the thing here let's do it now if you haven't played the game and you are interested in the narrative we're talking about spoilers now so listen to the rest of this at your own risk yes um so later in the game uh at the end when he's beaten and defeated and on his back and he's like turtling like he's like laying there flailing back and forth and he goes peter please peter you said you'd never abandon me you promised. Remember? And of course, you rest easy, knowing your secret is safe with me. You do what you think is best, Doc. It's all any of us can. Peter? Even when words like hell. Peter, where are you going? Peter? And it's like the one time that I can hear Rigby's voice in it. And it drives me bananas because it happened like the three times I played it. I'd go, that's Rigby from regular show each time. Quick, doctor. Both of these butt cheeks are unrecognizable. If we want anybody to be able to recognize this as a butt in the future, then we're going to have to do a complete butt transplant. Stat. Stop talking! There was only damage to the one cheek and you know it! But he's, he, his performance is great. Like uh, Otto being a really small man who takes what he wants by force is just like pitch perfect characterization. He's a guy who uh, whose body is failing him and they take the prosthetic limb thing and they they steal that from slots run, but they, they take it to the next level of storytelling. It's not just a guy with tentacle arms. 
I know that Molina has them for a reason in that movie, but at the end of the day, it's like he didn't he didn't need to strap those to your back, man. Like mm-hmm. it, the, there's a reason to it in this iteration of Otto, which I I think is really really interesting, and it gets Peter in a position where he's able to flex like the scientific aspects of himself. Like I actually like the little circuitry puzzles in this game um Mm -hmm. just because it it makes me feel like peter parker working at horizon labs in the comics peter is a scientist i mean he's he's i I like that about him i something that i appreciate a lot about the miles stuff in the spider-verse movies is that he is an artist like that's something that they emphasize a lot is how creative he is i like that kind of left brain right brain dichotomy between him and uh, peter i think that's something that they should emphasize more i think that's really interesting Obviously, Miles is also like, you know, gifted and going to a, like a magnet school and whatnot. But mm-hmm. emphasizing that that difference between the two of them is really cool. And I think the photography versus the art angle is a way of looking at exactly, it. Like, yeah. Peter is observant in like a way. And then like, I think he sees things for how they are. But like, Miles sees things for how they can be. He, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I that's beautiful. Kiefer. I think that is. Because again, it's like it's it's how do you not make Miles just Spider Man again? And I, that's a really good way to do it. I think that's awesome. So yeah, Miles and in MJ, and then Aunt May kind of is fine. Peter, Otto, and the one that always gets me is Norman. I think Norman's fucking awesome in this game. <laughs> so good in it because it's like I'm not saying that this is what they're going for because obviously this game was made over years of time, but this game came out in mid to late. 2018 and at that point we were at the height of trump as president and everything that came with that and there is some like level of it's like oh this guy's a huge piece of shit how did he get elected i don't know like you know and yeah. then, like how most new york city bears get elected. Yeah, yeah yeah and that's the thing that's what i'm saying it's like they probably weren't going for that but like it was kind of hard to not think about it the whole time they yeah. playing the game and uh especially with him like running for re-election and etc and like i do think that they really nail Norman's role in the universe in the sense of like, he's this kind of like larger than life threat, huge piece of shit. But at the end of the day, he's just a petty dude, a really petty dude. And mm-hmm. I, Kiefer's heard me talk about this moment a lot. Cause I, I do love it. But in late game, uh, right before the devil's breath is uh, released into the city, Otto is dangling Norman over like a busy street from like a hundred feet up. Want me to beg? Not gonna happen. <laughs> the world will know the truth before they mop you off the pavement. Oh! Oh! Tell them what you did. I never. Oh! Everything you have is built on lies. Lies! Ah! Oh! <laughs> You stole my company, my ideas. Now, the truth. The truth. Okay. The truth is, you were only ever worth a damn when you worked for me. The truth is, you could never accept that I'm better than you. You're a failure, Otto. And you always will be. And he's like, tell them what you did or I'm going to drop you. And he's like, "Mm, no, I don't feel like it. I'm not doing it. Mm -hmm. What? I'm not doing it. And it's just like, 
you have to. I'm going to kill you. And then he's like, nah, fuck it. Drop me. And so he drops him. And of course, Spider-Man saves him because he's Spider-Man. But mm-hmm. like, it's just such a good Norman moment. Like, if you're not going to go full goblin, he should still be a dick. And I, I like that. Like, the first Raimi movie, it, it's interesting because like, they try to make you sympathetic towards Norman, like as the movie goes on, like, oh, like, don't tell Harry. Like, you know, there's there's heart to it because it's a beautiful movie with a wonderful story. But even before that, like he's a dick to his son. He's obviously negligent. Like he's he's you know, developing weapons to be yeah, used in foreign wars. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's a war criminal. And so, like, I, I like the idea that Norman is a guy who, when given the opportunity of power, he takes it. You know, mm-hmm. that that juxtaposition with Peter is interesting. Norman is a man who wants the best and he sees like that as an opportunity, which is like what makes his relationship with Harry so interesting. He wants to upgrade his son. He wants to upgrade his son. But like uh, yeah. like the, the devil's breath is like him trying was trying to find a cure for his wife's terminal illness and his son's mm-hmm. by extension terminal illness. And that makes I can fix her. Yeah. Like. <laughs> it's a challenge and it's also like you know like i i can mold something to my to my will here by doing this there is like you know humanity somewhere in there but it ultimately comes back to a form of narcissism and that's like what has always informed norman's character to an extent in every adaptation of him like uh the the defoe performance he just berates his son all the time and he takes a shining to peter because he sees the brilliance in him and he wants that in his life he wants to bring that into his fold uh in this game i should have ordered that (laughs) <laughs> uh, give me that um, the reason that he ha- gets adversarial with Octavius in this game is because Octavius is like I don't want to be part of Oscorp I want to be an independent researcher and I will just keep taking the grant money from like whatever thing I'm getting through and he's like nope fuck you grant money gone L plus ratio plus you know you stink it's capitalism he's, he's a capitalist no yeah, he, yeah that's people have always talked about the observation that the villains in the rogues gallery of Peter Parker's life or in Spider-Man's life, are people in Peter Parker's life. And that is true. There is a lot of people in his life who do become villains, but I think the the people are not observing, or like they're, they're not following that up with the the inciting thing behind that, which is a lot of it is like Norman Osborn by proximity of that, or like other, the specter of capitalism is what's driving these people to villainy. And Peter Parker is trying to become, trying to fight the despair that is knocking everybody else down around him yes with norman osborne he is literally like hyper accelerating evil of capitalism on a single individual every time and turning them into a supervillain. Yeah. whether that is otto octavius via like the revenge plot because he was just two of the major villains in this game norman osborne isn't the main antagonist of the game but the two central antagonists are both people who were scorned by norman osborne and were driven to madness by it because norman osborne was a callous cold dickhead that like if he had like any amount of human empathy to the people around him, there would be no Mr. Negative. There would be no Otto Octavius, yeah. but they were so slighted by it and were so corrupted by like the evil demonstrated to them that Norman represents and as capitalist. I haven't talked about Mr. Negative yet, but mm-hmm. Mr. Negative is a slot creation. He's from Slots Run. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's one of those things where it's like it's a great gimmick. It's a great design. It just never landed for me. I don't mm-hmm. know what it is. And that that transfers over to this game as well it just doesn't connect i think the inner demons cool as shit looking it's neat it just feels a little convoluted and they do the best they can of like tying it all back and like obviously like the parallels and and whatnot with auto it it all works more or less sure um and also i think it's a really good way to be like hey listen like we're not doing sinister sex 
you know, we're not doing that. We're not doing, I mean, like they're there, like they exist because he's been around. You said, I'm going to ask, you said he's been around for eight years as Spider-Man in this game. Yeah, he's 23 years old. He's been Spider-Man for eight years. So he was 15 when he started. Yeah. That's insane to me. And here's the thing. I like that. I think that Peter starting in like sophomore year high school is how I usually picture it. Yeah. Um, I think the only thing that does it like senior year is Raimi. Yeah. And that's just because you, you know, actors and and whatnot and what you're demanding of them. The Mr. Negative stuff is like, it's fine. You know what I mean? It's like, it's one of those things like you had a good idea, you had a good design, you had a good gimmick and you over convoluted it in a way that it's like, you kind of lost me. Like, so he's sort of magic, but his magic comes from this and sure, whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I I don't care at a certain point. It is a big ask, especially in this game where everything else is so technologic. Well, yeah, but it's also just like, if you're going to do that, do it. And then they're like, well, what if we did like Scarecrow missions from Batman, but it's just you fighting him and his like mindscape. And I'm like, I don't really care. I don't really care about that yeah. stuff. I like it again, like as like a extension of like Norman Osborn's dick and dickishness. Yeah, yeah. No, just I guess thematically like, yeah, it's there. Like, it's that's just the beat by beat of it. Yeah. Is, it's, yeah. It's Which like, is very much slot, like a lot of like individual bits, not being as sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. not saying slot's a bad writer or anything like that. I'm just saying like sometimes people are a lot of things. Yeah. But like I'm saying, like there's a lot of like, you know, Ooh, his great. Silver Surfer run, mm-hmm. for your uh, listeners out there, Dan Slott's Silver Surfer run, that's the stuff. It's just Doctor Who. I hate that I keep coming back to Doctor Who, but yeah, it is just Doctor Who, but it does rule. Sure. Um, no, Slot. yeah, yeah he's, he's, uh, he's an ideas guy. Um, I What I always... I don't know if I should say this on a podcast. Uh, he term searches, be careful. <laughs> yeah, he does, he does, you're right. Um, in terms of dance slot like that what i always feel like is like it's like the idea is there but like the actual like i don't like i never feel like these stories are written by someone that lived this sort of thing like it's like it's like you read a lot of comic books but like did you experience these sort of things and mm-hmm. i that's a that's a mean thing to say about a nerd but like mystery negative is one of those things where it's like it's like this there's a lot going on here and it doesn't all come together and it that translates into this game unfortunately i think that the uh the actor's fine i i just i don't know it's like i don't i don't feel menaced enough by him i don't feel empathetic enough towards him um mm-hmm. obviously you know like the stuff with his parents in the video recording of his past is like sad it just in terms of like the narrative it like i'm way more invested in the auto stuff and his relationship with peter is so good and like eat like i mean i played miles the other week and like there's a brief glimpse of the two of them working together like prior to the events of this game and it like tugged at my heartstrings because it's like oh like i've been here in this position with like a someone i admire who i respect who i look up to yeah his mentor who ultimately disappointed me and um took a path that i could not follow you know Mm -hmm. and um i don't want to say like oh the mystery negative stuff shouldn't be there it's just that I think it doesn't land anywhere near as hard for me as the auto stuff. Sure. It's a lot of means to an end stuff in this game. And a lot of it like lands better than other stuff you spoke to earlier about Mary Jane being a reporter, which is again, a means to an end thing of like Peter needs to have like the investigative like connection. And by having it be like his ex-girlfriend, you're able to like make that not only narratively propulsive, but a, a propulsive, but also emotionally propulsive for him. So while it doesn't gel with like the, classical understanding of it and i don't necessarily know like what they're like um ideological yeah um, and that that, like for the record like i didn't mean it like that no 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 no, no, yeah it's it's just like why is it the only two jobs people can have is beautiful and journalists in the comic books yeah exactly because how many other journalists the flash like (laughs) yeah and and again i understand like you know that in terms of the game and the narrative and whatnot but uh like i 
I remember reading the comics as a kid because like I read I read Spider-Man comics even before like the movie came out. And I remember mm. as a kid being like, I, I can't relate to like model or, or actress or, you know, that kind of like I, I don't that seems like so far fetched to me. You know what I mean? Like it's too glamorous even. But then I sure. realized like watching those movies, the, the Raimi movies, it's like that's the point is that is that. Mary Jane's a girl who comes from nothing and is aspiring to something better. And she is, she's mm-hmm. talented enough. And, and that rift between her and Peter is there like, like just inherently baked in. And that's mm-hmm. beautiful and poetic. He's able to see the depth of the person that is like, so ethereally beautiful. To everybody else, they only see the surface. Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. Yeah. Kirsten Dunst is a, does an amazing job in those movies. Yeah. It's not said enough. Um, no, she's, God, she's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, again, it just being like, ah, she's just Lois Lane. It, it just bumps me out. That's all it is. It's like, it's not to say like it's bad or like she can't be. It's just like, I feel like you took a character that has a really interesting relationship with Peter for a variety of reasons. I don't know. You just, you just Lois Lander, which is fine. It's just sure. not what I want. Like I said, of- I see the means to an end in terms of narrative, yeah. but like, what are we thinking about in terms of the implication of like, again, the are you a journalist or are you the hot girlfriend or yeah. the both? <laughs> and then the, uh, so I, I'm sure we're going to talk about the cop stuff, but like the world itself of the, the game it is really well done. Like, and, and that transfers over to miles as well, where it's like, there are people like any city, any community where it's like, you know, there's people that you just kind of have like a tense relationship with and people that you're buddy, buddy with. And like seeing him work with, uh, the cops, Politically not great, but like in terms of like Spider Man, it's interesting. I like it's cool and it, it it makes that world feel more lived in and like I like showing up in the game to something and then being like, ah, it's like like that's our relationship with this guy is mm-hmm. that it's a good thing that he's here as opposed to like Pattinson Batman being like, Jesus Christ, this guy's here, you know? Mm-hmm. Um it does help Spider Man feel so much more present um there's a little bit of graffiti in the game obviously but like the big thing is jay jonah because jay jonah is alex jones and that rules i i it's, sure. it's, a, it's a great gimmick um i think in this version it's like he was a newspaper but then he pivots and uh having him kind of constantly in your ear as like this uh voice of i'm gonna keep talking shit like you can do whatever you want i'm just gonna keep talking shit and like i the whole thing with Spider-Man is like, it's like, it doesn't matter what you do. Like something's going to get in your way. Something's going to happen. And uh, mm-hmm. I like that, that Peter's been around for eight years. He's arguably at like the peak of his game. And even still, like he's going to have that little, that little voice in his ear being like, you're a menace. And I, I just think that's cool. Friends, today we have a caller who's been a victim of what people call the corruption that infects otherwise law-abiding citizens, causing them to go on violent rampages. Police assure me these corrupted are not responsible for their actions. Tell us, caller, what was it like? Like I was in a nightmare world, surrounded by monsters. And every dark impulse I ever had, anger, fear, hate, was ramped up and turned loose. Terrifying. And I understand that while you were in the grip of this madness, Spider-Man beat you up. Well, he stopped me hurting people. By beating you up? I mean, he used as little force as possible. That sounds like a yes. There you have it, people. Spider-Man beats up the mentally ill. It's it's interesting that like there isn't a face to the voice in the game. Like you don't meet him at any point. I'm curious if you meet him in the second one. In uh, Miles Morales, there's that scene at the beginning of the game where you're like going through with the rhino stuff and you uh, swing through his office. Yeah, but like you know what I mean. Like you don't interact with him. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, especially like 
that's wild to me to be like eight years into being Spider-Man and you've really only dealt with like the, the you've dealt with the fingers. You haven't dealt with the fist because like Otto mm-hmm. just shows up. Norman isn't green goblin yet. Question mark. No. Like, yeah. I mean like he's, he's developing mm-hmm. the tech, but it's not there. He's fought the sinister stick six individually, but this is the first time they've all like ganged up on yeah, him. And yeah. Yeah. He's like shockers there. I keep doing that Charlie Rose bit. We've got all these. <laughs> We've got shocker, electro vulture, <laughs> rhino, no Mysterio. No. No. I love Mysterio. Um, I think Otto is part of it. Uh, and then I guess Mr. Negative? Hold it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's it. Sinister 6 Spider-Man 2018. It's been a few years, guys. Uh, yeah. Spider-Man And then, like, you've got Screwball, and, like, which is a more modern character, but it's, it's cool because it's, like, Screwball's never going to be into the world, so, like, why not just have her be part of Spider-Man's universe as it exists? Okay, yeah. It is Electro, Vulture, Rhino, Scorpion. And then negative oh, and octopus rounded out. Yeah. Yeah. Again, the game does basically everything I want a Spider-Man game to do. It's fun. It makes me cry. It's uh, got a kajillion costumes. It's beautiful in basically every way. Like, oh, man, it is, it's just a damn good game. It is a damn good game. It's a very good game. Yeah, no, it has like a lot of great emotional beats to it. The character stuff works, even if there is like some dicey stuff in terms of like the Martin Lee's characterization and uh, execution in the story. and. Like you said, like Miles isn't there yet. Like he's being built up, so he can't really be fully a character so much as like collateral damage vis-a-vis. And that's yeah. that's another thing. It's like it feels tacked on. It feels like, hey, yeah. just so you know, we're making a Miles movie on the side here. So if he could be there, that'd be great. And it's like, okay, like yeah, we'll we'll figure out how to put him in there. And yeah, it's just like ah, it doesn't. I like he comes into his own when like you play the Miles Morales game. Yeah, like, and yeah. that's the thing is yeah. I play that game, and by the end of it, I've got a lot more problems with that game. I've got a lot more problems with that game because it doesn't do everything as well, I think. But ultimately, the stuff with him and, and Finn works, and it's it's cool in Miles Morales. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I they they find their footing with that character a lot better. He's still not Shriek more in Sp- Spider Verse, but like, who is? You know? Yeah, I mean, like it's like it's like comparing everything back to like the first two Raimi movies. Or, yeah, yeah, and that's that's the other thing. I think that's the big thing is that at this point, like even predating Raimi, there's Crystal Daniel Barnes and there's Dan Gilzan and all these different people that like, have portrayed Peter in some again like you were a big spectacular Spider-Man yeah everything I, I think about with Spider-Man I'm immediately going to compare back to spectacular so, yeah and yeah. I Peter is beyond one portrayal like you know mm-hmm. like I I consider Toby to be really good but he's not like everything I want out of that guy and and same goes for Holland and same goes for Garfield. They all do aspects of it right, but no one gets it a hundred percent correct for me. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's also going to depend on like, you know, your director and writer and whatnot. Yeah. But it's tough with Miles because there is really only one other point of comparison and it's arguably the best Spider-Man stories. Sure. Like, like if you read the comics, like it's like I mean Saladin Ahmed like you know has his run there too, which is like Yeah, you know, it's a, yeah, I mean there's there's a but, a lot of talented people have been in those books. Yeah. I just have never like I feel bad for Miles in a meta way because it's always like, hey, we're gonna thrust you into like this event and you're gonna do this thing because we want you around and we want to make a big deal out of you and people like you a lot. But at the same time, like you don't really get big stories. Like you don't get your own stories. And it sucks. Uh my some of my favorite Miles stuff is like just smaller moments, like in Hickman's Secret Wars when it turns out he's been carrying a cheeseburger in his pocket the entire time and that's how they win the universe like <laughs> it's moldy and gross and he feeds it to a fifth dimensional god guy so it, yeah yeah 
yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's tough for I like I I guess what I'm saying is I feel bad for the PS4 version of Miles because he's never going to be him. But uh, <laughs> Spider Verse is you know it's like the pinnacle of this stuff. Sure, yeah. I mean, like you're you're also having to compare Peter to um Jake Johnson's like Peter Parker in that too. Like there's yeah, a lot yeah. Of, like, but see, you know, as an that's, adult Peter, yeah. That's that's the the beauty of Spider Verse. Like the movie is that it's like we've seen a lot of Peters, but we've never seen that Peter. We've yeah. never seen early 40s peter or sure. late 30s peter and again like the movie is partially about that and miles like forging yeah. his identity as like i'm not a peter parker yeah everybody else here's a parker and then like by across the spider-verse you have like the whole like thing about like i'm gonna do it my own way and nah yeah like oh, it, chills yeah no it, it's a very effective character stuff and the yeah. way that they weave it into like the meta narrative of like what it means to be spider-man again we talked about this earlier it's fine we got to go back to the game um but no yeah no there's a lot of stuff there uh some stuff about the voice acting here because I talked about the, uh, sure. the voice direction and everything and they're like you said Rigby is Doc Ock this cast is like full of incumbent voice actors who have been through all sorts of things there's two different voices of Knuckles the Echidna from Sonic the Hedgehog in this cast uh, multiple critical role cast members multiple Last of Us voice actors Laura Bailey is the voice of Mary Jane for example um, and then Spider-Man's voice actor Yuri Lowenthal and the police captain Yuri Watanabe her voice actress Tara Platt they're married in real life which is why like even though like again, ACAB, ACAB, fuck it, all that. Like the the chemistry between them, like in the the base game, where they're bouncing off of each other. They're That's literally they a husband and wife couple. They've been married since two thousand one. This game was out in two thousand eighteen. So at yeah. this point, seventeen years, and this point, twenty two years. That rapport that they're gonna have is like built in. Like, and you know, we we're talking about the cop stuff now. Like this is an opportunity to weave into like the stuff that we don't like about this game, what it can do better, because we've been edging it. Like we've been coming across it with like our praise for the game, but like let's take a moment here to like be outright hostile or negative to the game. Like, what do you wish it that this game did better? Um, I again like in terms of their takes on some of the characters, it doesn't always like gel for me. But the cop stuff is weird. The cop stuff, especially yeah. in 2018, it was already weird, and now mm-hmm. it's even weirder. Like, yeah, no, this is post Eric Garner, but like it's pre George Floyd. Yes, but. So like even in the pop- popular conception, police was already like, and there's decades and decades and decades and decades of like anti-police work going back in the media well before then. And like, but like post Reagan, like the narrative of every, the, the Overton window shifts heavily to the right in terms of a lot of things. But this game being set in a real life New York City, you still have to reckon with like the NYPD is one of the most corrupt military forces that has ever been. in. Ah, they're yeah. just a bunch of silly little guys. Yeah. We talk about spider cop. Aha. And I'm like, yeah. nah, man, it's weird. Always rub me the wrong way. Like, mm-hmm. like it's a Spider-Man game. I'm having fun. I'm not sitting there with a fucking my arms crossed and like a frown on my face. But it is strange. And I've seen some stuff that makes me excited for the second game because it seems like they reframe that. Uh, in a really interesting way. And uh, I'm yeah. curious, do you know what happens to Yuri in the comics? Yuri's a Dan Slott character, right? Who becomes a villain. I'm very curious to see where they go with that. Because mm-hmm. they, uh, spoilers for the DLC, she blows Hammerhead's head off. Mm-hmm. Like just fucking point blanks that son of a bitch, which rolls. Um, but it know, bounces off like his plate or something like I that. I think like so. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. it's. I, I think she does kill him though. Oh wait, I think like I'm thinking of the second one where like she yeah. he, she tries to kill him at first and then like it bounces off. Peter's like, "Don't fucking kill people. Killing people's fucked up." And yeah. she's like, "Ah, but I got to kill him because I think he, she uses the laser the second time." Yeah. Yeah, something like that. I'm not going to miss this time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't hear no bell. I fired in the mist. Continue. The cop stuff's weird. Some of the character stuff's weird. I don't want to say that like there's there's nothing that like immediately is like, "Oh, this sucks." 
You know what, actually? My hot take is I don't like the white spider. I, I think it works, like the design, like the, the costume. Um, mm-hmm. I think it works for, hey, this is our take on Spider-Man. You want to do the red and the blue? You want to do the, the web lines and the red? And you want to have the blue segmented off? Okay. Breaking it off with the white feels, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, it's strange. But, I, have a, I have a thing for the, the costume stuff in a second. We'll, we'll separate the, okay, the conversation so then, yeah, of it. But I, I do want to talk about, like, because I have been on the fence about this design for a long time because I think the white spider stands out so much. Uh, especially now that it's, like, not just red and blue, but also white, which are American colors. Or more French colors, which fuck the French, too. But with default outfit, like, I read the some interviews with the, the art design team who came up with the costume. And uh, art director Jacinda Chu added white to the traditional red and blue each color is meant to represent a different type of material on his suit so the blue is like flexible yeah so it's going to be on his limbs mostly the red is thicker it's padded so it's padding for like his fists and everything yeah. like that so he doesn't scrape and cut himself while he's doing acrobatics but then and the, the white, white is like the, the carbon fiber like okay now i don't want to get shot and things to hurt me so i'm going to protect my chest with like a harder material and also it's on his hands and feet yeah exactly for, for like traversing yeah again i get it i just I don't know. It's it's weird because it's like when I say I don't like it, it's like I don't like it in terms of like I don't want to see it in a movie. I don't or or like I don't want it to become the norm for Spider Man. But I do like it as like this is Insomniac's take on the character. Yeah, but like I would say I probably wore that suit once in the entire game. Yeah, and that was what I was gonna say is that so you start the game off in your classic suit and it gets battle damaged and then it's like okay, well we gave you this nice new white spider suit, but also if you want. The uh the the regular shirts there. I'm like, why the fuck wouldn't I wear the regular suit? It's perfect. Have some confidence in your own design. Continue. Yeah, that that suit just the the, the classic red and blue Spider Man suit. It's so good. It is so good, and mm. it looks amazing in this game. Um, are we talking about the suits officially? No, no. Well, I'm still we're still on criticisms. Okay, all right then. Ugh. I'll let me. Why do you think about that? Like, you know, coming back to the Spider Cop thing because it it is bad. It is a very bad thing that they did. Bad. We got way off track there, but going. Yeah, yeah, but like. Yeah, because you suits, you know, you, you're very passionate about suits. I like the, yeah. Um, but Spider Cop is a Ditko thing, right? Like he, in real life, Ditko was an objectivist. Uh, Steve Ditko, the co-creator of Spider-Man alongside Stan Lee and the artist originally for the, the early Spider-Man stories. And as an objectivist, of course, he had like the constantly contradictory view of the authority that stands against me are bad, but the authority that stands against the people I don't like is good. Yes. Uh, so like he was like, his sense of justice was like all the bad people need to be punished. And he wanted to make Spider-Man more aggressive and like more, you know, more vindictive in his like disputes with his boss, because while he was working at Marvel, the editorial team would not pay him. And it was, he had to fight to get credit, like co-credit mm-hmm. on uh, the, the works that he did with Lee. So like, you know, he was taking like his very real convictions and taking them out in a very frustrating and negative way through his ideology. And like this, like his cop stuff is so ingrained in his like work that it is like, again, he tried to make Peter into a darker person because of it. He tried to um, like, he was like jealous that like one of his like peers used to be a cop. He's like, you used to arrest people. That's so fucking cool. Um, (laughs) At like, He's this very strange man, and like that cop ID, like worship. Ditko is a strange man, yeah. Like, yeah, and like that's something we have to reckon with. Legacy of Spider Man is like somebody with these, and like Lee, who like was in real life, like taking advantage of the people that he worked with, was the person humanizing Peter more and more, which to is be the everyman, and like having the power responsibility thing. And 
suffering the consequences for being selfish in a way that Ditko wanted him to be. I, I think a lot about the fact that Stanley was not necessarily a good person, but he knew that being a good person sold. Mm-hmm. And that's the crux of that, like where that guy is in the stories that it's, he told. Yeah. Objectivism versus liberalism. It, it, no, it, it, no, literally. Like yeah. that's the thing is that, is that Stanley is like a classic liberal in that sense. And like, we need black Panther because black people read books. It, yeah. And yes. And, um, like it, it kills me because like if you know you're looking at, at those people and those ideas in this character and the moment where Peter's like I'm gonna put on a wrestling suit <laughs> and I'm gonna go win a bunch of money because I got bitten by a radioactive spider that is to a T like Ditko stuff that is hey if I can do this amazing thing <laughs> why wouldn't I and then in doing so in being selfish in that moment he gets his uncle killed. And I, and I know that might be unfair, but he does. He gets his uncle killed. And uh, that is that moment is that's it. It's, you know, do you want to be selfish? Do you want to take everything for yourself? Or do you, you know, like, like, or what does that matter if you don't have the people around you or, or if you push them all away? And, uh, you know, I, I, as much as we rag on Spider-Man 3, it's like that's it comes back around to that idea. It's like if you're going to make three movies and keep trying to tell the same story about power and responsibility, it's like. Raimi goes, he's like, listen, a dweeby guy who thinks he's cool is going to act like a fucking asshole if he got power like this. And uh, mm-hmm. he, he's going to push away his loved ones in the process. The arc, like the the emotional arc of the three Spider-Man movies, even if three falters a bit, is like so perfect where it's like you have the the why you do this instilled in you. Two is like why you have to keep doing it, even though it's hard because he loses his powers, he loses his confidence and he has to gain that back. and momentarily. He loves the liberation of no longer having to be Spider-Man. But at the end of it, he's like, I realize I have, I'm like the, the thing between so much suffering. And if I don't stop it, I can't count on anybody else to, I need to do my part to like make the world a better place. And then three being like, I'm so good at doing the right thing. And like, I guess you can like sort of see like the Venom suit in almost every like adaptation of the stories that I like, like spectacular Spider-Man is like Peter Parker read the Wikipedia summary of Atlas Shrugged and decided like, I can be a little bit, I got, I got to be a little bit more selfish here. Yeah. And like, and then like that, like extrapolating that, like me, me, me mentality where he's like really being aggressive with other people and trying to be more takey when he has all this power and having to learn that lesson again from like, not only the, like having the direction of like too much power, like what is too much? Like, what is this doing to me? What is this corrupting force? And like, it's Ayn Rand just trying to take over my body. Oh my God. Yeah. It's a different lesson that they have to keep learning it. So it's like, it's weird with like Spider Cop where like the NYPD is the most power responsibility averse thing in the world. With Gotham City PD, that is a fictional city that was designed where like this whole city is so fucked up and the police department is so incompetent for whatever reason in this adaptation that Gotham City's Batman is necessary. The cops in those stories are representational and largely in many, in many, in such instances are divorced from any like actual real world ramifications of like what a cop is and what really it matters is like this isn't enough we need somebody else there's one person in the department that can help him who is trying to do his best despite everything around him it's like it's representational policing but when you're using the real life nypd you are using the real life nypd yeah <laughs> yeah it's it is the brooklyn 99 thing it's like ah uh, nah man that's not how this goes like you can't no yeah I'm trying to think, is there even a corrupt cop in that game? They never really reckon with it. Like that Watsonabe becomes more corrupt because like her background is like the But her corrupt is her leaving the force because she does vigilante justice, which 
is bad unless Spider-Man's doing it? Question mm. mark. Yeah, well, I, she wants to kill people, but you know who else kills people, guys? The NYPD kills people all the fucking time. All the time. Yeah, yeah. and like I think what I'm hearing about the second game, and I can't speak to it yet, and I'm not going to touch on it, is like there is a villain who is coming out of prison and is genuinely actually trying to be a good person, uh, like a famous like Spider-Man rogue, and it does actually like have to reckon with like that we need rehabilitative justice and not just like revenge punishment based justice, and that's what Spider-Man's entire ethos is built around is giving people the opportunity to get better and by not killing them. And that's, that's an interesting, like interesting layer. Yeah, to it. Th- so what I saw about the next game is that instead of a cop, he's a firefighter. And that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's cool. I think it's a really simple, easy way. Like I'm sure firefighters are, you know, they're people. So, but institutionally, like, yeah. like there is like historical basis of like firefighters doing fucked up things, especially during the civil rights movement that yes. need to be acknowledged. Yes. But as an institution, Everybody needs to have their fire fucking put out of their yes. house. <laughs> that's, yes. That is a force beyond any human being's ability to do something by themselves that necessitates its action. Andrew Garfield puts on a fucking fireman's hat in the second movie, mm-hmm. uh, 2014. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, you show up, there's a fire or, you know, a guy with four mechanical arms spurting out of his back and you handle it. Uh, that's that's what it is. You are cleaning up a mess. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wish that. I didn't have to deal with that replaying this game, but it is it is always there and it does bug it's the shit always out of there. Me. You are literally using the NYPD and Spider Cop making Spider Cop jokes and like the person you're talking to more than Mary Jane throughout this game is a captain of the NYPD who is presented as good. Like obviously like the Jefferson Davis what was Brian Michael Bendis thinking with the that name? President of the Confederacy. Yeah. That's the thing. Mr. Negative was just trying to blow up the president of the Confederacy because he thought he came back as a zombie. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it was a big mix up. Yeah. I may, I may have gone too far in a few places, but like, no, no, like, what was he thinking? But like, he's a cop. Yeah. And I'm glad that like subsequent entries, like Miles Morales, the game deals with this by like moving away from the police stuff entirely because again, one, his his dad is deceased and they don't have to reckon with it in like his personal life and then like everything that he is doing is in service of the community he's serving the community yeah he's not doing like cop stuff he's doing like i am trying like his his motivation is like i need to protect feast i need to pre- protect my family i need to protect my neighborhood and there is an invading force vis-a-vis rocks on they handled that like inciting stuff and like the surrounding stuff very well as a result of that moving away from the police stuff and but still on like the criticism of this game a little bit sure the stealth in this game is not great to me. I think it's cool that the option is there if you want to handle pro- like these things from a certain way. I do not think it is executed as well as like something in like the the, the Arkham games. Uh, and I know you like stealth, so I want to hear your your take. Yeah, on Yeah, I mean, I, I like the stealth in this game. I don't love the stealth in this game, and I think I think the biggest thing with that is like it. It feels like if I'm if I'm just jumping into a situation like like Leroy Jenkins and get plethora of options at my disposal on how i want to take out these people but as far as like the stealth stuff is concerned it feels like there's like two to four ways that i can handle that Mm -hmm. and it gets boring and repetitive so i kind of mix it up usually i take out like Mm -hmm. some people and then jump down and just say fuck it for the rest of it i like having the option i think miles made it more interesting with the camouflage Mm -hmm. gimmick like that adding that changes things and like yeah how you pop in and out of a situation it, it frees you up to do a lot more mm-hmm. if that makes sense like you can be on the ground more because you're not getting spotted because you're invisible in the moment i like the gadgets in that game a lot i will say i like the gadgets i've heard some complaints about that stuff in the new one i'm curious to see how i feel about it but i like the idea that peter has a bunch of uh bits and bobs and 
gadgets and gizmos that yeah, he's like been him be having proximity to a lab without being rich makes it more like I Palatable. can understand that more than like the yeah. Tom Holland like I'm Iron Man's protege kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, I hate Iron Man Junior shit. That uh, drives me crazy. With the stealth thing for me, and this is just the inevitability of comparison. Like we've been comparing things to Spider Verse and Raimi all. Day. I'm going to have to compare this to the Arkham series now which focus heavily on stealth is built around stealth. Like again, like let's build a stealthy Metroidvania for the first one. Let's like make these big sweeping open world environments for the second one with like tight indoor levels. But their stealth sequences in those are like set pieces where like you are given a stage and then there here are like all of the villains that you need to take out. And then like, as you pick them off one by one, they get more and more stressed and scared. And they, aggressive. They react. Yeah. And like, they're like doing things like those gargoyles. He's swinging from those gargoyles. I shoot the gargoyles down. It's the freaking bat. It's the freaking bat. <laughs> um, it, it's just like it's theatrical. It's like built into the game, and like that there there's a liveliness to it. The the people in that you are picking off one by one comparatively are not reacting to the fact that Spider Man's around as you're picking people off one. Yeah, by one. Yeah, there's like the warehouse set pieces, but those set pieces don't feel uh, like organic the same way. Yeah, I, it's, a, I, it's a challenge in stealth, but it yeah. isn't like rewarding because like there's no tension that's being built through the theatrics of stealth. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I get you. Um, one of the things that I like a lot uh, that I've heard about in, in Metal Gear is like hiding a body. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, I think that's cool. Like that should be a thing. Like more games should have that. Yeah. And I think that Spider-Man is just very neutral about the idea about stealth in a way that it's like, well, you put it in the game and I feel like I have to do it. And it's optimal for maybe a few situations, but it's not as fun as punching a guy into the air with a shore you can and then yeah, like yeah. kicking it's, him over a building. Yeah. Another thing uh, that sort of ties into like the power of being Spider-Man and the responsibility of being Spider-Man. This isn't a criticism. It's more of like an observation and like a, a way that like that speaks to like the differences in ways people sort of approach game development. I've talked about the Spider-Man 2 movie game before. It's like the the template through which everything is built off of and like puts their own spin on. And what I like about Spider-Man 2 is that it is more of a simulation of being Spider-Man. Like here are the mechanics of being Spider-Man. Here is a world. You have to get good at this stuff. You have to get better at it. You're going to suck at web swinging. You're going to get better at it. You have to be very careful where you attach your webs to. Your arms are operating separate from one another. So you have to like take that into consideration and you're going to suck at building momentum for a while. You have to get good at it. Whereas Insomniac's Spider-Man is more of like, here is the fantasy of being Spider-Man lived out for you. You are, the game is like self-correcting mistakes you have made so it doesn't like kill the momentum and it's like just reacting like, oh, I hit into a building. Well, I'm running up the building now. Sure. It's more fantastical. There's no one good or bad way of doing it. I'm just saying like, I appreciate both different things and what people prefer is ultimately to taste. But I like the idea of like, one is about like the power fantasy of being Spider-Man and then like the responsibility sort of plays out like, and like the, the narrative, but like one thing is about like you have to be responsible when you're being Spider-Man because there's so many like ways things can go wrong when you're swinging around. It's like literally the interactive ethos of Spider-Man sure. and Spider-Man yeah. Two. And it's again like that's that's because I think they added fall damage. They added fall damage into the new game. Yeah. Yes, which is interesting. I'm curious to see how that changes because like it is preposterous that I cannot eat shit. You know what I mean? He like, lands so like delicately yeah no matter what you do to fall yeah. in the game like you've i will jump down head first into the concrete and he will like last second whoop, nope i'm fine yeah. i rolled i somersaulted so i'm okay yeah zelda rules um the costumes i know this that this is what you wanted to talk about all day. i mean it's like a big aspect of the game for sure it's the game like- features a total of 47 suits 45 in the ps4 version each with their own unique web shooters 
28 are unlocked in the main story, 9 are obtained through DLC, 8 were added through free updates on the PS4, and 2 were added through a free update in the PS5 version. What are your favorite suits? All right, so the classic red and blue from the jump, probably always going to be my favorite. But the one that really caught me off guard is I love the Spider Armor Mark IV, which is just the red and blue suit, but it's specifically from the 2015 Amazing Spider-Man run by Dan Slott with uh, Alex Ross covers where he is working. He's the head of Horizon Labs or Parker Industries or whatever. He's basically doing Tony Stark stuff, but in a way where it's like, you just keep waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like eventually, like things are going too well for him. But I love that suit because it's like, what if the red and blue suit was this like metallic armor thing and there's like this neon green underglow spider. It feels like a natural evolution of like in the 90s Spider-Man cartoon, the silver spider armor is a guy who's like a billionaire, right? Mm -hmm. In the comics, it's just like, oh, I just have web armor or whatever in the 90s because comic book covers were holographic. But in the cartoon, it was... The reason was that it was like, oh, he's a rich guy, so he's got silver armor. Yeah. And it feels like that. It feels like if Spider-Man had unlimited resources, it wouldn't necessarily be like an overcomplicated Iron Man suit. It's just like this like metallic plated version. So Spider Armor Mark IV, I love that suit. There's a lot of them in the game, and there's a lot of them that I like. Probably be easier to name the ones that I don't like. But again, it, it depends on what I'm doing in the game because... Like the ones that have like a glowy aspect to them, obviously nowhere near as fun to play as during the day. And some suits just work better in that lighting. It, it just depends. But I'm trying to think if there's like any specific one. I really like the uh, the Common Rider suit. I really like the. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who designs that one for the game. That's one of the DLC suits, I think. And was it the guy who made like the Lich comic you like? Oh, Dave Raposa. You're right. It is. Dave Raposa designed that. God, he's so good. Uh, Steven Lich, uh, he, he did that. He's done a lot of really good art for some toy lines that I like a lot, uh, including G.I. Joe Classified. Yeah, I really like his like Metal Gear art and stuff that I his always His Metal Gear like, yeah. piece is fantastic. Yeah. yeah, I want that tattooed across my back. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't even played those games. It just looks so good. <laughs> and yeah, uh, Dave Raposa's like Kamen Rider E suit is one of my favorites. I can't remember what the hell that one's called. It's mm-hmm. something very specific. All right, so white spider suit, it's okay. I, I'm just going to go through and uh, S-tier rank all the suits real quick. Yeah, now. let's do um, 47 suits. <laughs> uh, so Spider-Man Noir suit, it, th- okay, this is, you want to talk about things this game does wrong. Uh, the Spider-Man Noir suit, like, yeah, sure, he doesn't always have the hat and the trench coat. It's fucking stupid without the hat and the trench coat. Give me the hat and the trench coat. I understand that's an extra asset to animate. There's a lot that goes into that, but it's just kind of like, if you're not going to do it right, don't do it at all. And the other one of those is Spider-Man 2099. He has the web cape in the comics. Give him the fucking web cape. I think it's in the new game. I love the web cape. It's just so distinct. It reminds me of Spider-Man Unlimited, which bad show, good design. Sure, yeah. And uh, yeah, I love the web cape. Kills me, kills me that that suit does not have it. I literally don't use that suit because it doesn't have the web cape. Drives Mm -hmm. me up a wall. Future Foundation suit, pretty cool. The Ghost Spider, like Ghost Rider Spider whatever one cool because it's like so distinct i like that it's fun i would take pictures in the halloween mission with that which i again it's just neat the original suit for the game the velocity suit i don't like that one and then the spider punk suit's really good the wrestling suit's okay the negative zone suit's pretty sick the rubber armor suit from the comics when he's fighting electro i don't really like that one all that much 
The, sp- the, the Spider-Man manga suit. That's a pretty good one. Just give me like the goat ones and then the one you just think is the most dog shit one. Oh, okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. I don't even know, man. There's, there's, there's so many of them. There's 47 of them to be exact. If you want me to S tier these suits on a stream one day, let me know. Sure. I'll do yeah. It. yeah. If I ever figure out how to stream and have time to stream. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Ooh, the big time suit. I love the big time suit with a big green neon spider. Mm-hmm. That one's really good. And... I can't remember what the other original suit is in the game. It's not the velocity suit, but it's got like a a thin, long white spider down it. And there's like very little blue. It's like almost it, it kind of looks like the programmable uh, programmable matter from the sec from miles. Mm-hmm. But it's a Peter suit in the first game. Love that suit. Yeah, it's futuristic in a way that I, I like a lot. There's um a Spider-Man. It's the one in Across the Spider-Verse that he hides on the back of. Mm hmm for a second and he's got like the he's got the dr octopus spider tentacles and he's got like a big yeah. goofy sentai helmet i want that really bad and for some reason that costume i'm talking about kind of hits those notes mm. where it's like futuristic the red to white to blue ratio is thrown off enough from the original i cannot for the life of me remember what that suit's called though it's gonna turn me crazy that's right yeah yeah but also spider uk is fun because i do a silly accent when i'm swinging around not no. in the game mind you just me sitting on the couch yeah yeah no it's for your enjoyment at the end of the day hello governor like <laughs> the, the, the value that the suits add to the experience for you especially as a person who takes a lot of photos of spider-man in the in the i in the also game have itself. a i have an action figure of damn near every suit in that game which is fucked up but yeah. it's true yeah well i got a lot of toys yeah yeah it's a lot of toys but uh, I get it. Spider-Man means a lot to you. And we've we've talked about like the many folds of this game and like what it does well, what it doesn't do well. Is there anything else that you feel like you need to like uh, talk about with like Spider-Man 2018 proper that we haven't touched on yet? Not really. Like I, you know, we've talked about this before in regards to movies and whatnot, but it's like if my only real complaint with something is like, I wish there was more of it. I think you're doing OK. I think yeah. you did a good job because I know there's excited. more of it. Yeah, exactly. I'm excited for the second one. Um, I'm assuming there's going to be a third one. I haven't played the second one yet, but uh, yeah, it's just again, it, it it does just about everything right. It's a little off. I, I guess that's the thing. It's like it's a little off with mm-hmm. some of the character stuff, especially. It's like not quite there for me, but yeah. it still hits the beats and it it knows the character well enough that it's it sticks the landing. Like we talked about the Ditko of it and we bit the cop stuff, but like I do think that like fundamentally what this game is is like a like a the 21st century Spider-Man story blended up and like presented in a way that is understandable without you having to read everything Spider-Man about from like the late 90s to uh, at the time 2018. Obviously there's so much slot stuff in there with um the char- like original characters, uh, Yuri uh being the the cop that he talks to, uh, Screwball being the person who like does a bunch of the side mission stuff, uh, Martin Lee being one of the central antagonists of the game. That's all 21st century dance slot run stuff. There's um, a lot of the sensibilities of, I don't know, like obviously like in, in the literal sense, you do have like the, the movies suits in there too with um, the Raimi suit, the Amazing Spider-Man suit, the, the, the movies, the MCU Sony suits and everything like that. But the ideas behind it, the sentiments behind it are all like very much 21st century Peter Parker and it's like I think I think it does that well like in terms of like simplifying it and presenting it in like a here's Spider-Man of the modern era yeah again it's like it's like we need like like what like what is Spider-Man in 2018 you mm-hmm. know or, like, or at the very least what is a Peter Parker story in 2018 and, and yeah that's it like they, they they kill it yeah without having to do origin stuff and they put like little spins and twists on things like the Harry Osborn being like the 
with the all that stuff going I'm on. I'm so like, curious to see how I feel about that in the second one. We'll touch base in another year and just talk about that game or something. Yeah, sure. I'll have you on to talk about one of the Batman games and we can yeah. circle back there. Like uh, the way that they handle Norman Osborn, especially as like a modern um, like CEO play. Like you, I know you said you said like the ult- you don't like how Ultimate Spider-Man handles like everything was back to everything. everything. But like I think this game alone like is like not everything was back to like there's rocks on over there. There's Silver Sable is like its own like corrupt thing that like is brought in like as a convenience through Oscorp, but like not everything is Norman yeah. Osborn. And like, there's such like a deep, like, but like being able to do like the bureaucratic and also corporate evil through Norman Osborn is so clean and just able to like show like the folds of like the corrupting forces that make this Spider-Man world so bleak to live in and why Spider-Man is a beacon of light among it. Sorry, sidebar, uh, two things that <laughs> I was trying to remember the name of earlier. I've got both. So the the Flash game with the grapple uh, grapple hook ninja is called Final Ninja, and there's a sequel called Final Ninja Zero. Played those a lot as a kid. Check those out. And uh, it's the Arachnid Rider suit and the Resilient suit is mm-hmm. the one that I was thinking of. Great. I think I think you've like gestured at this throughout the conversation already. But what impact would you say that this game made on you? Uh, I like Spider Man, and I I got more Spider Man. No, I you know it's uh it is again it is as close to the experience of the, the fantastical experience of being Spider-Man as you can get. There are games with a narrative that I like, and there are games with the, with gameplay that I like. And those two are not always the same thing. And Spider-Man 2018 is like damn near perfect in the sense that it is fun, tells a really solid, like pretty tight story for the most part. There's not a whole ton that I can say about it that we haven't already said in terms of like other media depicting Spider-Man, but it's like it hits those beats in the right order, the right way for me. So good. Yeah. And I normally ask people like that. Would you say it influenced like the media that you pursued out post it? But that's a bit of a complicated thing when like you're coming into it as a Spider-Man fan and still coming out of I it as Spider-Man it fan. I like Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Sp- you like Spider-Man, you like Spider-Man. Yeah. I guess my like thing about this is I'm going to ask it this way. Is there anything that this game lacks? that you want from a Spider-Man story or experience. This is silly, but I, I think it, it's, it's a, it's a aspect I think about in terms of a Spider-Man game. And I, and I, people at home are like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? Right. And I, I, this sounds nuts. You know how like in GTA you have money, right? Mm -hmm. So like in GTA you have money and obviously you're just using that money. You're not spending it on bills or anything like that. I really think it'd be funny. And I'll like true to the character. And I think there would be a way to make it fun where it's like, Hey, every so often you have to have X amount of dollars and it's because a bill's hitting. Right. And so you have to do little things in the game. Like it could be quick little things, but like you have to like the idea that like you have to take time to do little things like take a picture of Spider-Man or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, sure. And I, I think that's fun. I think that like, I was thinking about that, when I was playing the game initially, and I, I also think about depicting financial stress in media. Um, I think it's like the first episode of Atlanta does a really good job of like him going to the club uh, and he's like broke the whole time and he's like trying to, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And yeah, like just like the, the pressures of that. <laughs> and I, yeah, I don't know. I think it'd be silly. It's like, hey, um, you got to set up the the spider camera and take the spider picture and and whatnot and and it's got to be good enough or else you're not going to make your quota and then Mm -hmm. it's just like like little tasks 
sort of thing. Sure. And it, yeah. Like I, I can, I can see how you can weave that into the gameplay too, where it's like, okay, you can't replenish your resources that you use to make combat easier because you can't afford the parts because sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, there's a way like, instead of like weapon degradation, it's, it's a bank account degradation. Like, and, I can't, I can't make any more hollow guys because of, yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. And or, and it doesn't have to be like it doesn't have to be like the whole game, but no. like it, like you know, do like a mission here or there where it's just like, hey, this is part of Peter's life. I'm trying to remember. There is a bit about money in the game, but it didn't land super hard for me. I'm trying to remember what it is. If it's maybe he because he's late on rent, does he borrow it from May? I can't remember. There's something. There's something like that. I think he borrows money from May, mm-hmm. which is is fine. But um, yeah, take it the step further. Make it part of the game. I think it'd be funny. Sure. Yeah. To that point, like um, the, talking about like uh, the, the thing that like Spider-Man 2, the video game from 2004 based on the movie does is like, again, it's as a simulation of Spider-Man, like they have that pizza delivery mini game with the famously like horribly compressed, uh, you know, the pizza song. I love that. Like, obviously, like you don't get money in the game, you get points and you have to go to the store and spend those points to get more powers for Peter. But I love the the, the simple stress inducer of like Peter needs to deliver this because it's his job and it depends on it. And if he doesn't do it, if you do too many flips and stunts on the way to do it, the pizza gets worse and worse and the, the payout is worse and worse. Like it, it's just a good like microcosm. Like if you are like trying to like depict accurately in like a simulation of Spider-Man, like what it is really like to be Spider-Man, that is it. I am Spider-Man, but I also have to, yeah. you know, do a job. And that that's, a bit, but like, I like your idea of like making it more like little things he has to do, like, like the, the pictures or you can do a variation of him delivering pizzas or whatever sure yeah something like that where i just think that'd be fun i just think it's a it, like if you're gonna flesh out the spider-man experience a little bit more i think that'd be a fun way to do it and like you could just have fun with it you know what i mean like uh, yeah like one of the things that i liked a lot in the comics um i didn't like the run ultimately but uh spencer's uh spider-man run was that boomerang is his roommate mm-hmm. and it's like yeah it's like like we see Peter's apartment briefly in the game. And I think it's just kind of like a Raimi little piece of shit type deal, but it's like, yeah, I don't know. I, I just think like you could have fun with that concept. It's like, Hey, mm-hmm. like my roommates blowing me up. I don't know. Like I got to find this lost dog and get the reward or something. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, whatever it is. Yeah. So that's Spider-Man 2018. Uh, do you have anything else before we move on to uh, the recommendation section? I like Spider-Man. Spider-Man's good. Yeah. Love Spider-Man. So at the end of every episode, uh, I like to give the guests an opportunity to make some recommendations based on the game that we discussed. What would you recommend to listeners based on their enjoyment of 2018 Spider-Man? It can be a video game. It can be any kind of media. Uh, yeah. Look up that Flash game, Final Ninja. That shit rules. Okay. I, I played it a lot in middle school. I don't even know if it's still online. I'm assuming it is. There's no way that they didn't. There's also this like weird puzzle game with... Uh, vikings trapped in ice i think it's literally called icebreakers and something like that uh and you like to like cut them out of the ice in as many cuts as possible i like that one a lot too Mm -hmm. uh (laughs) i well if you like spider-man have i got good news for you there is uh 
60 plus years of stories featuring the character and uh, associated characters. If I was going to recommend any specific things, like I said, Spider-Man Blue is one that means a lot to me. The Spider-Verse movies, uh, everyone's seeing them, so it's not really a recommendation. Just like a how about that? Isn't that good? Um, Mm -hmm. Peter Parker listens to Spoon in the 2017 film Spider-Man Homecoming, and I like the band Spoon. Mm -hmm. So check them out. And I don't know. I I think that's it. Trying to think of like uh, Spider-Man anything that someone wouldn't already have on their radar. Sure. let me use one of my recommendations here. The Superior Foes of Spider-Man. Yes. It's just like a really good, like, I mean, like we talked about Spider-Man specifically here, but I think like if you are, if you love this world of Spider-Man and you want stories in that environment that aren't strictly about Spider-Man, like what is it like to be a C or D lister yes. in a Spider-Man world? It's uh, Captain Boomerang and a uh, shocker and just Boomerang. Captain sorry, Boomerang is DC. Sorry, Captain, but, uh, sorry, regular Boomerang. Yes. That is, that's Nick Spencer and Steve Lieber. I was like literally looking at my shelf, like what Spider-Man books do I have on the shelf? And yeah, Superior Foes, there's three volumes of it. It's absolutely delightful. It's uh, just kind of slice of life in it's, that universe it's type like, stuff. It's like an, like an, if Archer was in the Spider-Man universe. Yeah, kinda. yeah, yeah. Like it's, just like a bunch of dickheads who are butting heads with each other all the time. They don't get along with each other very well, but they are also like kind of like the only people who understand each other and they're just they wanted to start their own sinister six but they just fucking suck so much and they, they do yeah yeah and it's great i think about the silver man and shocker stuff in there all the time oh god it's so good yeah yeah i i think that's it but actually one more thing if you like spider-man you probably like daredevil i'm going to circle back to my recommendation from earlier uh wade's daredevil run that guy just gets it that guy just gets it if you want to if you want to read a good superhero comic and you like this stuff you'd probably like that a lot too yeah, Wade and Sammy's Daredevil. That's one of my favorite comic book runs of all time, and I feel like that's a good note to end my recommendations on. Yeah, a couple more recommendations that I have. Um, of course, play the Arkham games if you want to have like more superhero based off of an established IP video games, especially Arkham Asylum and Arkham City, uh, both developed by Rocksteady. Uh, like Avery, I also cannot recommend Arkham Knight, but I do really enjoy uh, Asylum and City. So and check those out uh, again those are written by paul dini it's a, a, a just a lovingly made adaptation of batman into the video game medium as the best spider-man games are for that character spectacular spider-man is my favorite on-screen adaptation of spider-man at least in television uh, i do love of course the the, the raimi movies and uh across and into the spider-verse very much too but in terms of like long-form narrative of spider-man where you have like two full seasons of television i cannot recommend uh spectacular spider-man enough if you haven't already i believe it's on disney plus yeah it's on disney plus now um and uh if, if you like that show check out uh sean cheeks galloway on instagram because he is the art director for that show he mm-hmm. did all the character designs and i love his art a whole ton he's one of the best in the biz yeah uh, it was show ran by greg wiseman who famously did gargoyles and also worked on young justice i cannot remember if he worked on any other tv shows that were also canceled too soon but those three alone like are pretty that's a pretty that's a pretty significant television run and uh yeah spectacular spider-man feels definitive in terms of like a teenage spider-man story so go do that and for another video game uh we talked about uh adaptations into the medium but like one of my favorite superhero video games is the Infamous series, especially Infamous 2, which is set in a fictional version of 
New Orleans, which is not New Orleans at all. I can't remember the name for the life of me, but I love the Infamous series, especially Infamous 2. Check those out. Video game original developed by Sucker Punch, who developed the recently Ghost of Tsushima, but uh, also the Sly Cooper series, uh, the first three Sly Cooper games. I did not know that. And that is, um, wow. Yeah. What a repertoire. Yeah. No, um, Sucker Punch, great developer, like how Insomniac is developed primarily for the PlayStation. Sucker Punch has also done that. Uh, infamous. Check it out. Check it out. Um, yeah, Avery, we talked a lot about Spider-Man, but still also feels like we haven't nearly covered everything. I do have some listener comments who also have feelings about some Spider-Man. Would you like to stick around for some listener comments? Sure. Okay. So I asked people how they felt about the 2018 Spider-Man game. And of course, I got a lot of answers because everybody feels strongly about Spider-Man. So uh, this listener comments longest one I've ever gotten on the show. It's from Manu, aka Manuclear Bomb. Our very, very good friend, the first guest I ever had on the show, the guest I'm going to have up after you, coming back to talk about Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty. And he DM'd me his thoughts because it could not fit into a single social media post. Honestly, thinking along with Raimi Spider-Man 2, it's the best Spider-Man story of this century. It understands the wide cast of Spider-Man characters incredibly well, from Miles to Octavius to Aunt May, that feels true to every other version of the character without being a retread of them. You know what's going to happen to Octavius, but that doesn't make his fall any less tra- tragic or poignant in the moment. As much as people lament the MJ and Miles segments, there's something very true to the comics about taking a break from Peter to see what his cast is doing. And that's before you get to the gameplay. The gameplay, my god, it's clearly an, in- an interaction or iteration on the Arkham Assassin's Creed Shadow of Mordor style open world game, but it executes every last element of that style perfectly. Combat is simple yet varied and satisfying. And most of all, traversing the world and seeing the sights of Marvel New York City is as fun as any of the story missions. Oh, and all the cop stuff sucks, but you know Steve Ditko is smiling up from hell at Spidey backing the blue. So that's Manu. Our other buddy Ian at The Glass Slide said, Playing it on Percocet made me want to throw up. So it's got good realistic movements. Mm -hmm. I have a story about this, actually. Uh, The first time I ever took an edible was at our shitty little townhouse. And... uh, Yours and I's Avery. Uh, and it was t- late 2018 when I was playing through this game. And I was like, like every edible story ever, I said, this edible ain't shit. I went to go sit down and play some Spider-Man. And then I got so dizzy that I stopped playing Spider-Man almost immediately. And I realized that the, the game was edible making, was indeed shit. It, the edible did. It had hands. Yeah. And I was just like, this isn't fun. I'm going to go now. And then I climbed the stairs for what felt like 30 minutes and then went to bed. Uh, but no, it was... The first time I ever felt myself actually getting motion sick from a video game because I was high <laughs> taking an edible. So I can speak to that. Uh, Jay, who was on the Outer Wilds episode, said, Despite everything, it makes you feel like Spider-Man. I like it. Really wish the story spent more time with the Sinister Six instead of saving them for the third act. MJ made me realize how few defining canon character traits she has across media, as so often happens. Would, it's a Spider-Man expert here. What would you say to that about like Mary Jane having like canon character traits? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like, I went like, when I say like, oh, it sucks that she's just Lois Lane. And it it sucks that they like felt like they, for whatever reason, like needed to shoehorn into the story. Um, Like saying all of that, so much of Mary Jane's characterization in those books is the object of Peter's desire. Mm -hmm. Um, She is his hot girlfriend. And and I, I would say it's not really until like, maybe the last 10 15 years where like any work has been done mm-hmm. to counter that. But having like Kirsten Dunst portrayal of the character in the three Raimi movies, like I had 
an idea of what their dynamic is and how that works and what it's supposed to be. And mm-hmm. um, like even going back and reading like some of the 70s and 80s comics, like the seeds of that are there, even if it's not necessarily the most like fleshed out or, or thoughtful, you know? And again, like I said, it's like my idea is like Mary Jane aspires to something, uh, something better for herself. And um, Peter's a man of sacrifices. So it's like those two things don't necessarily always gel. Mm-hmm. And I think just that's why when I say like just making her Lois Lane doesn't really work for me. But um, I think Mary Jane rules. Um, but I, I get what they're saying. Yeah. And you reminded me of a new recommendation I'm going to add to ours. Um, my Adventures with Superman. The, the oh god yes yes oh yes you're talking about lois lane a bunch uh that is a show that gives very much equal weight to superman and his supporting cast of characters especially lois lane whose portrayal is their relationship is the crux of that show yeah and um that's why it's called my adventures with superman because the my is lois lane like it's uh yeah beautiful like in both in the writing and also like the visuals um the art so the Show is created by, developed by uh, one of my favorite artists. His name is Jake Wyatt. He has a lot of friends who are also very talented artists who also work on that show. Uh, Paul Reinwand and uh, Chris Anka, who did a lot of work for Across the Spider-Verse. Spider-Man 2099, as you know him in that movie, all sexy and mean, that's Chris Anka. And that guy worked on My Adventures with Superman. He's also designed a lot of the suits for the new game, if I remember right, the new Spider-Man game. So. Uh, very ingrained in this stuff and that show's gorgeous and i absolutely love it and mr mix mixes pedalic is he's so cool i love him so much very anime inspired in its visual design too a lot of visual references to dragon ball and evangelion so much yeah, yeah. and also like it's just like has like the romantic stuff that people love out of this shit so check it out uh avery thank you so much for being on this episode before we end it please promote the hell out of yourself uh you can follow me at avery robin Ott. On most social media, uh, that is A, V as in Victor, R-Y, R-O-B-I-N-O-T-T. Avery without an E, Robin Ott. On Instagram and Twitter, mainly, uh, I'm on Blue Sky, uh, since Twitter's whatever it is now. And um, yeah, I draw, I make enamel pins sometimes. I'm getting back on the horse. I'm going to start tabling at conventions next year. Uh, So maybe I'll see you out in the wild. Uh, We'll see. Yeah. Avery. Thank you for spending so, so much time talking to me about Spider-Man. Thank you for being my best friend in the world. Thank you for being so supportive of me. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of Select and Start. Once again, I am your host, editor, and promoter, Kiefer. If you enjoyed this episode, please give the show a positive review wherever you're listening to this. Engagement helps the show and your feedback will improve it. And if you want to get more engaged, give the show a follow on Twitter at SelectPodStart. If you have thoughts about Spider-Man or any other games we've discussed, send a DM or leave a comment and I will gladly read it on the show. You can also support me on Patreon. If you pledge at least $1 a month, you'll get early access to new episodes as well as extended episodes with exclusive content. You can follow me at Danny Vegito and find links to the rest of my projects in the description of this episode. Select and Start is on the Moonshot Network, which is supported by its own Patreon. Find out more on moonshotpods.com. The art for this show was made by my best friend and today's guest, Avery Ott. You can follow him on social media with the handle at Avery Robin Ott. That's A-V-R-Y Robin O-T-T. The show's theme song was composed by Mike Petrie. You can check out the links in the description for both of their work. All right. I think that's it. You do what you think is best, Doc. It's all any of us can, even when it hurts like hell.